This podcast is brought to you by JList.com. Right now on JList.com, they have all new doujinshi available. They have Haruhi Suzumiya, Fate Grand Order, Vocaloid doujinshi, and also adult doujinshi as well. All of this coming fresh off of the giant doujinshi convention in Japan known as Comic Ket. So head over to JList.com for all of your doujinshi needs. And now, it's time to start the podcast. I have a plot synopsis for an anime. How about we come up with an anime where four little cute moe girls go out on an excavation to find Bigfoot. And they find Bigfoot, and he rips them apart into little pieces and eats them. How about that? Save me the, uh, save, save me the trouble of kicking them into the anime pit of hell. What do you think? <laughs> do I have to agree to make you happy today? What? <laughs> <laughs> You are listening to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Make your anime addiction worse at aapodcast.com. And now, here are your anime addicts. Welcome to the 405th episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. I am your host, Mitsugi, today. Whatever you're doing right now, whether you're at the gym or at work or maybe you're stuck in traffic, thank you for tuning in. It's a pleasure to have each and every one of you listening. I am joined by an unusual group today. We've had uh, some uh, some bad circumstances go down today for poor Kazuo. Um, and so we have the very lovely and already established as handsome brains from Trash Panda's Watch Anime Podcast. So say what's up. Yo. And we also have uh, Enzo, whom I think Enzo is the name you will be going by, who is actually going to be inducted as a host of this podcast. So this is sort of your maiden voyage, I think. So Enzo's hailing from New York City, I believe. So go ahead and, yeah. and introduce, introduce yourself. <laughs> Straight from Brooklyn. Um, thanks for the opportunity, Mitz. I'm glad to be a host on this wonderful podcast, and I'm stoked to develop a chemistry with you man oh i i think that the chemistry was already developed I, I i can feel the chemistry already and i'm gonna say that i believe that the chemistry was a strong bond was formed through multiple hours of being completely naked together uh, all i want to emphasize mul- multiple hours multiple and, <laughs> and multiple multiple hours, hours. day of seeing mitts naked in japan i mean we were we, we were naked all alone in the spirit together. in the spirited away bathhouse together um, Two gaijin in a hot sauna yeah. together. Yep, <laughs> sweaty thighs and all that. So if, if, if two men can't bond over sweaty thighs in a hot sauna, I just don't know where they can bond, really. I have to say, and one of my favorite memories, and this is I don't know if you're going to be embarrassed about this, Mitz, is that Never. you looked over to me and said, hey, man, I'm proud of you <laughs> for being there with you. Well, I mean, getting naked, doing the onsen in Japan is not easy, an easy thing. It's it's sort of 50-50 on whether or not people will even want to do it at all because Japan is so culturally different and being naked is not a thing is not really a concern for them but we really care a lot about that. The USA is very puritanical if you think about it. 
No, absolutely. I think you and I are on like the weird part of humanity in the, in the U.S. where we don't really care about nudity too much. I, especially you, I will say, because I lived in Japan, and the first time, maybe two times, that I did the the bathhouse, I was a little nervous. I was nervous about it. So, and eventually, I stopped giving a shit. But I was definitely nervous uh, uh, initially, and I don't know if you were super nervous or not. But if you weren't nervous, then you're just more of a nude dude than I am. No, I'm I'm pretty nude, pretty nude and rude. Well, if you would, if you would like to check out the nude and the dudeness and its full extent and its full extent, you can go to our website www.aaapodcast.com. And if you go to forward slash join, you can get our hentai episodes. Speaking of being nude, which we will be doing one <laughs> after this podcast, I have no idea what kind of psycho- psychosis that's going to generate today. Um, mm. And of course, we have our after parties and our hobby addicts episodes. We just did a hobby addicts on Stranger Things season two. So if you're a fan of that show, you might want to tune into that and listen to our thoughts on the second season of that property. Uh, also, just continuing the rundown, Kazo would like you to know that if you go to the fa- if you go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash AAA podcast, you can join his very successful Facebook group and also find directions at the top of that for how to join our Discord channel, which which we all three of us are a part of. And it is a, it's awesome. a very lively group of people. We just talk to each other and enjoy each other's company. Yeah, and I'm the best mod, hands down. There you no have discussion. it. There you have it. From the horse's mouth, even. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna roast me for that one in Discord later. <laughs> Be there for that. Oh, yeah. Join the Discord. <laughs> but um, but much more important than our website or our Facebook or any of that crap. It, the most important thing is to know where Brains hails from because Brains is uh, sort of this reliable hero for me who has I have plugged him in I think three times now. Brains, please plug all of your things and let us know where we can find your podcast so that people can. Return the favor for you helping me by giving you some patronage. So I am Brains. I am the producer of the Trash Pandas Watch Anime Podcast, where um, we basically curse and and talk about anime. Uh, We do a lot of uh, shows. We do basically riff track shows in our Watch Etchy and our Trash Panda Theater, where we just kind of make fun of a show while we watch it. I am actually about to make some changes to the show. So for those of you Uh who are used to it being a three or four hour long podcast, it should be about two and a half hours starting with the next or the episode after the one I'm putting out this week. Um, We are we're kind of cutting things down so that it's because it's gotten ridiculous to four and a half hours. Yeah. So four and a half. I I admire that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that's that's definitely dedication right there. Four and a half. I mean, that's longer than like Mike and Mike in the morning or Howard Stern or any of those. So that's definitely some props to you. But I can see why you'd want to cut that down potentially to to save yourself, you know, passing out randomly during an episode from exhaustion. So it's, it's, it's not even passing out randomly. It's just like it. It's a lot of episode to get through, and there's no reason to have like an hour's worth of content that we true have in there like we do way too much news and we do we we spend way too long talking about like the odd nerdy things we've done in the week so the the shows will be cutting down um but at at the end of the day we we have all that stuff um you can find a a podcast about books on there we're working our way through that uh we're about to get back on a better schedule just another hiccup happened and um so for the extra episodes and then you can find all that at tpwapodcast.com. There you have it. 
All right, so let's, let's kick this shit off here. So this episode, our main topic is our, our, our anime Mount Rushmore's. I want us to go through... Kazuo and I had a tremendously beautiful argument about whether or not Sonic the Hedgehog and Mega Man belonged on the anime Mount Rushmore, whether or not you guys b- agree with that or not. Uh, that, that led to some beautiful content. And I'm not saying we will end up having a similar argument because that was pretty intense, but you, you never know. So we haven't done an, an anime Mount Rushmore yet, so we're going to have to... We have to. We, we must do it. So we're going to do that. Then we're going to do a review on Koito Uso, otherwise known as Love and Lies, which is a good lord. I don't know. Uh, a fall. It's an anime. It, it's an anime. I think it's, it's an anime. Yeah. I think it's from. I would anime. definitely <laughs> agree with that. I think it's from the summer season. We're kind of we're winding down the summer season from 2016, 2017 rather. So we're going to get to all that. But first, we have some big news of the week. So let's kick it off. It's time for big news of the week. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you, UDA. Big news of the week. Japan's crime rate hits record low as numbers of thefts plummet. So for those of you that once upon a time, I had to do a lot of research to convince a certain someone that Japan was not a dangerous place. And this is a nice opportunity for you to do the same thing for yourselves. Japan's has the number of recorded crimes in Japan continued to fall in 2017. This coming from the Japan Times, hitting a record low of 915,111 crimes in 2017, which may sound like a lot without any context, but I'm but I'm sure America is probably in the like tens of millions. The overall, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say that by comparison, I am jealous. Yeah, I mean yeah. Japan is like. You could fall asleep on the street with like $5,000 hanging out of your pocket and no one will take it. The overall number of cases has consistently been declining since it peaked in 2002 with just under 3 million crimes. And the government decided to tackle that by increasing police forces and to put in more security cameras, I guess, all over major city areas. So I have a summary here of crime that went up and crime that went down. Who wants to take the crime that went up? I can go. I can do it. Do it, man. My first read up. Okay. So the crime that went up, the data suggests that the focus of organized crime groups may be shifting to cybercrime and that the types of fraud that randomly target people via phones and emails. Um, I don't think that's so too fraud- shocking. What was that? Not too shocking. Yeah, I don't think so. Either. It's I think cyber- it's just I think it's going hand in hand with technology pushing yeah. us towards the future. Yeah, man. It's a cyber world. Yep. Literally. I mean... I'm doing a podcast with you in Florida and I'm in Brooklyn. So that's just go. the way the world's moving. And so fraud committed via messages sent through to social networking sites and other internet services and about 5.7 K crimes last year in this uh, fashion, a 3.8 full jump since 2013. So yeah, there's a lot of cyber crime going on. You know, brains is in Iowa and you're in New York and I'm in Florida. Oh, brains, you're in Iowa. I thought you were in Florida too. No, 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 no. Iowa. So Iowa. we we are sort of in this in like a, a weird triangle shape, and if we try yeah. and if we triangulate, we'll probably end up in like Chicago or like in I don't know Tennessee maybe. Uh, I will keep quiet because my geography is really bad. <laughs> I, I think Tennessee, this that, that sort of region, Illinois maybe. I, I can't remember how far out west Iowa actually is. Um, um it's about it, it's a little further than Tennessee. It's like. What is that like? Ohio, Indiana, Illinois. Am I about to Logan, Google a map right now? So, um, it's and also going back to the crimes, kidnapping and human trafficking also increased, but um, only by eleven cases to a whopping 
239 cases of, of kidnapping or, or human trafficking, which is like ridiculously low. Um, Brian, do you want to take the crime that went down? Yeah. So serious crimes such as murder and robbery stood at 10,889 in 2017, um, which is down 657 cases. Uh, the number of larceny cases decreased 67,607 cases. Wow. It decreased by six, 67,607 cases to 655,541 cases. Um, that's that's a lot. They're doing a lot for that's a lot, man. For for fraud prevention, then. Um, bicycle theft bicycle falling theft. nearly thirty thousand cases from twenty sixteen to two hundred five thousand or three hundred ninety two. And again, that that is actually very very significant. Are just people more more people locking up their bikes? Or? I, I don't know. I mean, Japan is like this place where outside of a train station, you know, they'll be like. A thousand bicycles just like parked there. I don't know how they find their own bike. They all look the same, but I guess they're just not stealing bicycles. I mean, they're not worth shit anyway. Not really worth stealing. So it's a lot of effort for a bike. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on to. Um, we got something else here. Prepare for trouble. Make it double. Shut up! You haven't had one useful thing to say since you got here. Hard nipples everywhere are perking up because the Hunter X <laughs> the Hunter X Hunter manga is back. So, do any of you are any of you fans of Hunter of Hunter Hunter? Uh, well, I've yes. watched the anime a good amount, but not enough to say I'm a fan yet. But I'm, I know people love it though. Yeah, I, I'm definitely a fan of it. Um, I watched pretty much the whole the whole last series that came out, and um, you guys may or may not know that but the author of hunter hunter is like frequently ill i think and they always he always is taking these really long breaks on making manga which he's not i don't think he's ill i think that's miura oh really um well no maybe togashi is yeah regardless um yoshihiro togashi's hunter hunter is going to continue serialization on january 29th in shonen jump magazine he's been Definitely on a on a hiatus, I think. So the the last chapter was was published on January on July fourth, twenty sixteen. So he's been gone for like a year and a half, and which is really hard for people that are fans of a manga that they are used to having come out like once a month. And so, because Hunter Hunter is so famous and so loved by so many people, I think it's really noteworthy that it's going to continue. I, I don't know if it's going to lead to more anime. It would be nice if it did because the Hunter Hunter anime is is really nice. But um, I'm just happy to see it come back because it's going to make a lot of people really happy. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited. I'm excited for the fans of the story. If there's more to come and it's good, and I hope it gets animated, uh, I know a lot of friends personally that would be stoked to have New Hunter Hunter come out in both manga and anime medium. Definitely. So it looks like the the 34th volume of the of the Hunter Hunter manga sold. 1.258 million copies. That's like ridiculous for a manga. Um, yeah, that's, that's a lot. That man. is unbelievable. So, and that's coming from Oricon. So, you know, I'm I'm perfectly happy to have more Gone and, and Gone and, and Killua and and uh, definitely Hisoka because he's like, although Hisoka is like frequently the subject of a lot of pornography. <laughs> So, <laughs> aren't all boys in in manga subject to a lot of pornography though? Hisoka's kind of creepy because he's he has this thing for Gon, and Gon is like this little kid. He's like ten, 
And Hisoka is an adult. I mean, he's got to be like in his 20s because he's a full-grown adult. And he's always like drooling and orgasming and licking his lips at Gon because Gon has like this power or he has this potential that makes him like appealing to to Hisoka. But it comes off very sexual despite Hisoka being an awesome character. So if you go on like Twitter, like you're bound to find some kind of pornography of Hisoka eventually. Um, so um, Hugo uh, Minute in the chat said that um, Tagashi is, is is just lazy. Uh, Mura is the one that's ill. So okay, and and to to bring some clarification, his he's married to a very very pretty woman who happened to also write Sailor Moon. So, oh, so he's rich as shit. Yeah, he's yeah, good. he's he's re- he, he's married to the creator of Sailor Moon, and if you didn't know, the creator of Hunter X Hunter also created um, Yu Yu Hakusho. Yu Hakusho, yeah, I knew that. The dream team, yeah, oh yeah. So, yeah, but so he's he takes a lot of time off just for personal reasons. Mura is the one that's ill, and that I shouldn't have questioned myself because Mura does this whole thing. But yeah, he's finally coming back to work well that's a shame i mean i if that's the case i knew there was some reason why he took why he disappeared for, for periods of time and i recall having conversations with some japanese students when i was teaching in japan about hunter hunter because it was on hiatus at the time i was in japan even though that i mean that was back in like 2012 but like it was on hiatus then and some of my students we would talk about manga and stuff and they were pissed off because he, he wasn't making manga and i think if i didn't i couldn't remember the reason but it's probably because they just think he's a lazy sob um and i i find it i find it kind of a shame that he's that he does that to his fans just because he's lazy you know i mean to an extent like you know you can do what you want i i can't judge a guy for for wanting to take time off. I'm sure making mangas are a titanic undertaking. Oh, yeah. But at a certain ex- certain point, you have, like, a responsibility to your to your fan base. And if you don't want to make your manga anymore, just find a way to end it, you know, and then, you know, retire and move on. Um, yeah, I uh, I tend to agree with that. I mean, I, I'm all, I'm also in the fields of where, like, you're the artist, this is your work, this is your passion, and even though you've shared it, you you still retain some right to be like, okay, it stops here, I'm not making any more. But, like you said, if that's what he wants to do and he feels it's so much of a drag to keep going, then he should just announce and make an official ending instead of just, like, dragging his fans down, like, a year-long stretch of nothing, you know? You know, like... I, go ahead, Brains. Uh, say, I, I think, like, from what I remember, Hunter x Hunter doesn't have that much manga out, like... 34 volumes. For as long as it's been running. Yeah, I mean, I it's don't... It's got 34 volumes, and it's been running for 10, 20 years. That's, yeah, that's really yeah, 20 wow. years. That's ridiculous. Goodness. So, I mean, that's, that's how much time he takes off. Like, um... He and uh, I, I don't remember where, but I, I seem to recall reading an interview or something where he was saying he just wasn't feeling writing Hunter X. Like he just didn't know like where to go with it and what to do with it. And um, that uh, that that seems like like what Enzo said. It's a problem. Just make an ending then. Just make an ending. And it, it's not like it's not like it's impossible. Like if you are really stuck on something. 
this you can handle it the way you're handling now where you're just being a lazy bum but you could also be responsible seek out people to help you write a story like ghostwriting is a thing that in the industry you can look into if you're stuck somewhere so just i mean i don't know why he can't just you know get a discussion together with people that he trusts the writing of and see how they can and maybe they can come up with plot points for him so that he can end it better or keep going with the story um, or maybe they can inspire him to keep going. Maybe they think of something together that brings the story around and ha- and get a whole new arc out of it, you know? But I think just, like, sitting on the excuse that I'm lacking inspiration when you do have fans that have given you their hard-earned money, you owe them either consistency or a good ending. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, if I can be honest, I can't speak from a place of knowledge on this because I've never made a manga, but it's a shonen fighting manga. Like how much, how much creative inspiration do you really need? Like we're not, we're not writing game of Thrones here. You know, we're not re-editing the same book 400 times and make it absolutely perfect. It's, it's, it's a, I mean, we had a hundred episodes about, um, humans fighting an ant King, you know, like, I mean, and I love that shit. That was great. So I don't know if it's something like writer's block, I, I, you know, whatever I you could probably make an argument that he feels like he doesn't want to deliver a sub, a subpar product to his fans, but so I think I, I kind of know what happened. Um, like Mura has been plagued with illness. Uh, for those of you who don't know Mura, is, he's the creator of Berserk. It's, they're the two, like Togashi and Mura are like the two number one hiatus takers in manga. Um, but Togashi suffered from like a lot of illness. I, I forgot about this until I read it just now. But um, he, he suffered like a lot of stress from writing Yu Yu Hakusho. Like... To the point, like where he wasn't sleeping and he was having chest, like heart palpitations and stuff. Like he was sick, sick, and um, he's probably up he, all night counting his money. He got exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard, it's but hard he, work, man. Yeah, he's uh, the first illness he took was due to, or the first uh, hiatus he took was due to illness. But after that, it, it's just, mm-hmm. um, it seems like it's just been mostly. Uh, probably hiatuses for re- relaxation and honestly he probably just doesn't want to get sick and die well yeah like could he's be. probably run into it a couple times and he's just like yeah no um and i mean he's got a a, a family and everything so i mean i get it but you know yeah. change the frequency of your manga when it comes back on from hiatus so that maybe you're only putting one out every month instead of I don't know what it, the the frequency is. I, I, I don't either. It seems like it's once a year, so based on the twenty year uh, runtime. Any any more yeah. co- any more comments on Hunter Hunter before I move on? I just think it's uh Hugo in the chat says that Hunter X Hunter has been on hiatus longer than it hasn't, and that to me is amusing. Well, That's that it. that sounds about <laughs> right. If he if he's only done thirty, what like ma- the anime major isn't nearly isn't nearly twenty years old, and that that thing has like. I think at least a hundred mangas, hundred hundred volumes of manga. So, you know, Jeez. whatever. Anyway, anything else? Nah. Nope. It's time for hot new anime releases. Speaking of speaking of Yu Yu Hakusho, so we have a couple shows here that I thought were interesting that are getting anime and that are getting a season of anime coming up. One of them is uh, a manga called Hataraku Saibou which is getting a television anime in the summer of 2018. And the reason why this is interesting to me is that, well, it's it's um, it's done by Akane Shimizu, and it's an anthropomorphic manga called um, Cells at Work is sort of the title of the anime in English. And, and the story is 
a tale of things inside your body. So as this synopsis reads, according to a new study, the human's human body consists of approximately 37 trillion cells, which is amazing. Those these cells are hard at work every day within a world that is inside your body from oxygen carrying uh, red blood cells to bacteria fighting white blood cells, macrophages, all that good stuff. Uh, you're going to get to know the unsung heroes of this drama that unfold from inside of you. So it's going to be this like story, I think, that is about the inner workings of the inside of your body. And I don't know how that's going to play out, but I will say the reason why this was so interesting to me is because the director is Kenichi Suzuki, who was the director of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh, of JoJo, yeah. And yeah. not only that, the studio is David Production, which also did JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. So this has some okay. like... This, now, now you're all interested. So this has some uh, some JoJo sort of influence, perhaps, in terms of the staffing that's working on it. And honestly, sounds a little unique anyway. Like, I don't know of them. The only other thing I know of that's about, like, bacteria or something or anything like that is, is, is um, uh, Moyashimon. And... I, I- I got one that's not anime, but it's it's kind of similar, and it's the old cartoon Osmosis Jones. Anyone? Moses no? yeah. Jones. Nope. So I remember it, that. That was me, awesome. This sounds like Osmosis Jones, the anime. And if you're gonna tell me that the JoJo team is behind it, I'm watching. Yeah. Like 100%. I'm looking at some some manga covers right now. Like there are some almost pretty JoJo esque things in the in 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 these covers. Um. Like there, there is a ripped roid dude with a hat that says "kill." That's. Do they have like? Uh, mean, uh, are, are they are they scantily clothed and wearing like um, earrings and shit? Well, they do have a red blood cell girl that's carrying an O2 box that's <laughs> wearing short shorts. Um, but no, like everybody else is like in jumpsuits, like covered in bits of blood and stuff. Mm. So that's. It, it could yeah. be fun. I think it could be fun. I, I, like, so the reason I like that my brain went to Osmosis Jones is that they made the inside, like the inner workings of a human body, feel like an actually moving society. Because it kind of it kind of makes sense. You have like the brain is like a government, right? And then you have the different parts of a governing body that keeps you know the society and things going. So I'm interested to see what they do. With these characters and the way that you're describing those, uh, what you saw, brains, I think they're gonna take a good com- like comedic spin off these uh, tropes, and I'm yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad that you put this on here, Matt. You, you know, I, I will say that I've for somehow I, I I've dated like four doctors in the last year. I don't know how this keeps happening, but I've had <laughs> I'm I don't know. You're how wealthy to, enough to do that. Nope, it's not that at all. Trust me, when you meet a girl on they Tinder, your wealth does not come into play. Um, I want to take care of you, man. Yeah, well, I, I saw, I saw, I was, with, I was with one of the girls for a while, and there were numerous conversations that occurred about like your brain and and surgeries and you know just shit that goes down inside your body, right? And I will say yeah. that the inside of your body is a freaking war zone, twenty four seven. Like there is some crazy shit going on inside your body. Like if you just Google macrophage and look that crap up, it looks like a monster from like the deep end of this of this of the universe. That just like it, it the, they remind me of the monsters from from Knights of Sidonia. That shit. Oh, there are Knights of Sidonia like monsters inside your body, complete with like tentacles that shoot out and grab crap. There is a huge like World War Four going on inside your body right at this instant, and so they probably can do some badass shit with this anime. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. 
that's actually really cool that you phrase it that way, Mitz, because the pictures that uh, trash um, that Brains is sharing, because uh, <laughs> Brains' name on the Skype call we have going is Trash Panda, so I didn't, I'm not calling him trash. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he shared two of the manga covers, and I see what you're saying about the guy that's dressed in all white, but he looks like a soldier, and I guarantee you those are, that he's a white blood cell. That, yeah. That's fighting off bacteria. And it's cool that Mitz has framed it this way, like a World War kind of, you know, backdrop. And they have the, they have the white blood cells dressed as soldiers. Um, I yeah, I be... think conceptually, I think there's a there's, there's some meat here that can work. So It feels like JoJo. Honestly, it does. And that's why, that's why yes. it's so exciting. Also, um, do you have, moving on from that, there is a, another season of Gegege no Kitaro coming out. And Toy Animation announced that... It's going to premiere on April 1st on Fuji TV at 9 a.m. in the morning on Sundays. And the reason why this matters is because Gegege no Kitaro is one of the most famous manga in Japan, end of story, period. It's like been going on forever. Literally every human being in Japan knows what Gegege no Kitaro is. It's like not knowing what Bugs Bunny is. Like everybody knows. You know, it's probably right. even more famous than like Lupin the Third. It's, it's huge. And the fact that it's getting another anime is really interesting. And the story is, it's not a very long synopsis I pulled off the web here, but it's a story about a young spirit who strives for peace between the human world and the spirit world. So it's very simple sort of storyline, but and I think it's mostly meant for kids, but it's, it's a big deal. So that's worth mentioning. It's directed by uh, Koji Ogawa, who directed World Trigger, part of it, and the studio is Fuji TV and Toy Animation. So that... That may be less exciting than the last one we mentioned just because Toy Animation seems to have the worst animation out of everybody at this point. But Gegege no Kitaro is, is a big deal. Yeah, I'm glad it's coming back. I think it's I think that's an important cultural one for them. So Yeah, I mean I'm not gonna probably watch it, but I will see no, same. Mm-hmm. But I will say that it's a it matters to them and it matters culturally to Japan, so that's 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 that's, that's good. Um so, anybody else would just, would anybody like to try to do the trivia section, or would you just prefer that I do it? Show me how it's done, senpai. Okay, so I'll show you here. So we we do trivia on the website, and every four every four weeks we give away a prize. And so this round of trivia, this last round was anime spaceships. If you go on the website, you would find a picture towards the bottom of the page of an anime spaceship, and you merely tell me what anime the the spaceship is from. And this last one, I tried to be crafty. I picked a very bad photo of the um, one of the lesser-known ships from Cowboy Bebop. It wasn't the Hammerhead, but it, it was some ship that you didn't, I don't think you saw that all that frequently. Uh, the correct answers, and there are quite a few, uh, were Link-182, Yotari Vegeta, Kronos, Cowboy Bebop um, managed to not answer this correctly. I don't know how. <laughs> the, the, the screen name Cowboy Bebop, he submitted an answer that was, and I quote, my dookie twinkles was what he wrote is the answer. Sorry, that's not <laughs> my dookie twinkles is not an anime that I know of. Ch- um, Chibi Rob, Icy Rose, Outlaw Mossinger, The Bearded Guy, Dick Chocolate, Black Shinobi, Golden Jedi Link, QE, Oh My God, You Took My Cat, Full Metal Alcoholics, Queen in No Way, Kenko, Faust in Black, Luke, Shit Talker, Oh My God, It's Derpy Murphy, Mexican Canadian, uh, and that's it. And so the winner for the week was uh, Outlaw Mosinger. So he, he seems to win a lot. I think it's because he pretty much always answers correctly. So he's gonna, he's in the pool a lot. And the winner for the month, so the overall winner for the month was Faust in Black. So good job, sir. 
Holy moly. I have it must be my birthday. contacted you already about your what prize you would like to have, and I know you already selected it, so I will get that out to you very quickly. So now there's a new there's a new round starting, and the theme is anime kisses. So I, mm, which like, mm. I, and I think I picked that because there's been like we've covered a lot of romance anime lately, and so if you go to the website right now, you can scroll down and find the newest trivia and just take a shot at it. You never know, you might get it right, you might win something. So, so check that out. All right, so we're gonna go to a news break. Who wants to read the uh, the intro trivia question? Okay, I got it. I want to do it. Do it, man. <laughs> All right. Diligent and methodical honor student Eichiro Maruo decides to exercise more during the little free time he has available because he is worried about his health. For, for this reason, after seeing a flyer, he joins the Southern, the Southern Tennis Club at the beginning of his freshman year. Name that anime. Name that anime. Simple as that. And when we come back, we are going to have our, Mount, our anime Mount Rushmore's, which may lead to an argument, I hope. And uh, <laughs> so don't go anywhere. And we'll see what we got when we come back. See ya. All you anime addicts out there, Mitsuki's back, and it's time for your anime news break. Leading us off today, well, as happens every year in Japan, they have announced the Mainichi Film Awards, which is the 72nd such occurrence of these awards put together by the Mainichi Shinbun and the Sports Nippon Shinbun in Japan. Complex X Complex, which is a 25-minute animated short, won the award for Best Animation Film, the Nobudo Ofuji Award for Creative Expression was given to Yoake Tsugeru Lu no Uta, or Lu Over the Wall, which is an animated film directed by Masaki Yuasa. Also, some of the other awards that were announced, Best Film, Hanagatami, Excellence Film, Ah Koya, Best Animation Film, Complex X Complex, Best Director, Tomita Katsuya from Bangkok Nights, Best Screenplay, Ishii Yuya, uh, Yozoran wa Itsudemo Saiko Mitsudo no Aoiro da. Best actor Masaki Tsuda, best actress Masami Nagasawa, and others. If you want to check out the rest of the awards, I suggest you look it up online. They're pretty easy to find and uh, probably worth checking out if you want to have a list of amazing anime titles that you have not watched yet this year. Next up, uh, the television anime sequel of the sports anime Major, Major Second has announced more cast and staff members. The director will be Ayumu Watanabe of Koega Ame Agari no Yoni. The script is done by Michihiro Tsuchiya, who worked on the original major and also on Diamond no Ace. The, uh, the studio is going to be NHK Enterprise. So it's going to be a pretty cool sports anime, which is the sequel to one of the more popular and famous sports animes in anime history, that being Major. So if you're a fan of sports anime, this is definitely going to be something that you will not be able to miss. Also, there have been some more staff announcements for the upcoming Lupin the Third Part 5. The, uh, the director, Yuichiro Yano, is going to be returning. He worked on the fourth anime series, if you recall, the fourth season of Lupin the Third being quite amazing. Also, series composition is done by Ichiro Okouchi, who worked on Princess Principal. The studio is Telecom Animation Film, which I believe... 
is was a studio that did the prior season. The, this is based on a 1967 manga series, Whip on the Third, which is of course done by Monkey Punch, probably one of the top most famous mangas in Japan's history. And next up from that, we have some news coming out of Netflix. Netflix's Castlevania second season is going to be premiering this summer. Then the Castlevania animated series writer and producer Warren Ellis said on Twitter that the second season will premiere on Netflix this summer. The first four episode season premiered back on, in, on Netflix on last July, on July 7th. So for those of you that watched the original Castlevania and you enjoyed it quite a lot, you'll probably want to be checking out the season sequel that's going to be coming out this summer. This is Mitsugi, and this was your anime news break. Now, of course, it's time to get back to the podcast. Hey, Chiaki, we need another commercial telling people all the cool stuff they can get if they support the AAA podcast. Really? Yeah, I want to make sure people know that they can get hentai episodes. And hobby addicts. I love those. For sure. And after parties, if they go to aaapodcast.com forward slash join. But haven't we been doing those for a while, Mitsugi? Don't you think that everyone already knows by now that they can go to aaapodcast.com forward slash join to get up to eight extra episodes per month for less than a dollar an episode? I don't know if everybody knows to go to aaapodcast.com forward slash join. But if they don't by now, maybe they never will, Mitsuki. That's, that's so sad, Chiaki. What else can we do? What else can we do? Welcome back to the 405th episode of the Animatics Anonymous podcast. So we had a we had an in-show weekly trivia question, and um, Enzo, you were so enthusiastic about reading it. Would you, would you like to read it twice? Yeah, I'll read it again. Go ahead. All right. Diligent and methodical honor student Eichiro Maruo decides to exercise more during the little free time he has available because he is worried about his health. For, for this reason, after seeing a flyer, he joins the Southern Tennis Club at the beginning of his freshman year. What anime is that? Do you guys know? Mm-hmm. I do. I mean, I read right, the question. Tell, tell them what it is. It's Baby Steps. Oh, I actually really like that anime. I remember watching it. Yeah, his name gives it away. Eichiro is... Um, so it's, it's, it's just a Google away for anyone that's lazy. Yeah, pretty pretty much, if you can spell Eichiro right. But yeah, he's like he's the guy, he's the main character with like the little mohawk on his head. Pretty, pretty decent sports anime. Uh, not my favorite, but I enjoyed it. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was good filler for that time of my life. Sounds, sounds good. I've never seen it. But I've been meaning to take a take a look at it because I've heard such great things. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a, there's definitely a best girl candidate in that show. So, um, but but brains the anim- the sports anime you probably ought to watch is Cross Game. It's uh, I do need to watch Cross Game. It's 
freaking remarkable. Yeah, um, I started recently actually because of you, Mitz, and I'm loving it. I mean, did you cry in the first episode, Enzo? Yeah, I did, like, it's brutal. Not, I, 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 I cry easily. I like sweet, I like sweet stuff. And I wasn't expecting it to come in so hot in the first episode, but it's, it's good. It's good. It is remarkably good and has outstanding reception on every website where you can look at anime, like, you know, people who talk about anime. So anyway, so um, aside from all that, the uh, the topic today is anime Mount Rushmore. And as I said before, Kazu and I did an after party once where we were discussing our video game Mount Rushmore's bait that was, that was submitted from a mailbag. And Kazuo... Uh, and I got in a huge fight because I said that Mega Man should be on the Mount Rushmore. And then I said Sonic should be on the Mount Rushmore. And he did not like that very much. So we ended up fighting for about 45 minutes. And I would like to try this again using anime. And and, and I want to say that I don't think it makes sense to, to use like directors and whatnot in the question. Because otherwise it's too easy. Everyone, Everybody would just say Miyazaki, Takahata, Satoshi Kon, and... Nope. And dry and Goku, but no. Well, um, do you have other real life people that you're planning on including? I do. Yeah. I had one. Damn. All right. Well then. All right. Well, feel free. I'm not going to include any real life people. I don't want to be over overly predictable. But well, no, um, I was just I just had a creator of Mount Rush uh, Mount Rushmore creators. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I wrote up multiple about I wrote up multiple about Rushmore's. I didn't know if we were doing like anime oh. characters, creators. I also am really unprepared because I wasn't. I didn't think I was gonna be on the podcast today. But I there's for in terms of real people, I have one person that I think should be up there that I don't think most people would put up there. And I have like two anime that I'm gonna try and fight for. If you haven't included them yourself, Mitz. All right. Well, um, since you're so enthusiastic, and since this is your maiden voyage, Enzo, why don't you just kick it off? What would be your first on your anime Mount Rushmore? Who's your so, Lincoln? On so anime, so when when I think about this, are we thinking about um, anime in terms of like the genre and as a whole, like as a, not genre, the medium as a whole, like what anime is crucial? I, I I really don't think that there's a right or wrong answer. I think that basically it's up to the way that you interpret the question, and I think so long as you have a valid reason for why that person or that TV show or or that person or that character or whatever is important, then it's it's a green light so whatever okay. you want cool so so with those parameters then i think and this is a very generic answer but i think most people would have to say yes i think dbc has to be put on the mount rushmore just because it's huge in japan it's still huge in japan after a yeah. bajillion years of being out and it crosses over to the west and in the west it's still just as big people still pretend to be goku during recess at the school people still yell out kamehameha and i think that's a big doorway that they helped open for anime to come after screw, so i think dvz has to be on the mount rushmore screw reset screw research at school i i pretend to be goku like every morning <laughs> well, there you go. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, yeah, that's why I think it has, to, it has to be up there. I mean, I sang it at karaoke with everyone else in Japan, and we're all, like, post-25 years old, so it's important. I, I will say that Chala Head Chala makes a great karaoke song. It, it's, it's exactly. And you it's know fantastic. Okay, fun fact about the trip? We sang it, and then the room next to us sang it back even louder, and we sang it again. So it was like Oh, my God. You guys are ridiculous. Groups. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I, I was gonna put Goku on my on my Mount Rushmore, and, and mo so that's that's my first one, and that's mostly to sort of 
and when I say Goku, I I mostly mean Dragon Ball Z. I, and and the reasoning here is, you know, aside from it being, I think at this point, the second highest selling manga of all time, next to One Piece, and it being just worldwide, it's the most famous anime in the world because it's been translated into a million languages and every yeah. country has it. But you can probably make an argument that Dragon Ball Z was the catalyst that brought anime to the U.S. on Toonami. And if it wasn't for Toonami, you wouldn't have Sailor Moon, you wouldn't have Cowboy Bebop on TV. I, nope. you, could, yep. you can almost say Dragon Ball Z, you can almost say Cowboy Bebop, Trigun, Outlaw Star, Fully Cooley, Sailor Moon, you can almost say that a lot of those shows owe their popularity to Dragon Ball. Because had Dragon Ball not been the overwhelming force that made Toonami a success, you may not have had any of those other shows on television, and people may not even know what the hell Cowboy Bebop is at this point. Yeah, no, I fully agree, and that's, that's kind of what I was trying to, like, hint at for the discussion when I say that opened the door for many things, because I know, I think Toonami was right on the money in terms of time-wise for my generation, um, where I would come home from school every day, and at 3 o'clock or 2 o'clock or whatever, DBZ was on, so it was me, I would jump, I would get home, throw all my school stuff on the floor and just turn on the TV yeah. and there was, and there was Goku fighting Frieza, you know, for the first time blowing my mind as a child. So I think yeah. it, it did open the gateway for everything. I think to, it, I think it made Toonami viable and get and let Toonami show other anime, uh, which then, you know, then like that gave the opportunity for girls to see Sailor Moon and boys to see Sailor Moon, if that was their thing too. So yeah, I think that's why it Goku DBZ has to be on the route much more. I, I think they actually had Sailor Moon and DBZ on about the same time. But yeah, yeah wrong. back to, back, to back, I yep. think. I think so, yeah. too. So they kind of hit both nails on the head. They had something for boys, something for girls. And honestly, something like I, I love Sailor Moon still to this Me day. Me too. Me too, man. I adore it. Uh, the ending of Sailor Stars is like heartbreaking. So Oh, the like, Sailor and the Sailor Stars theme song. Amazing. Oh yes, every time. And, and that's one that never made it to the States. And I kind of understand why. <laughs> because, like, if so as an adult, I went back and rewatched Sailor Moon. And um, that show's a lot darker than they had it on Toonami. They edited a lot of stuff out. You know, I'm going to take this one a step further. And I'm, and I'm going to say something that I don't know is that bold. But I will say that without Dragon Ball Z coming to the, coming to the U.S., Funimation may not be a company today. Oh, you know what? Uh, the the uh, college graduate with an accounting background in me just went in full agreement because I think Funimation put their eggs in one basket and it was DBZ and that egg is still and that basket's still there. Yep. So they made tremendous amounts of money off of countless Dragon Ball Z VHS tapes and DVDs, and you know gave them the capital to invest in other things, and you know and. Fell flat out, you probably wouldn't have. You may not even have a dub industry in the U.S. for that for that Dragon Ball Z. Definitely not. A, def, definitely not a simul dub industry, which I think a lot of people actually really like. I like it too. I like. I'm, I have the Funimation service with the simul dubs, and it, and it, it'd be kind of weird not to have that now that I'm so used to having that. So yeah, I and I and and um, do you have anything Dragon Ball related on your list, uh, brains? Since we're talking about Dragon Ball. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z is one of them. I mean. And, and like, like I said, I made different lists for <laughs> character shows and uh, and uh, creators. And, and Akira Toriyama basically made it 
his creation made it onto all three lists because it, it it was transformative for um basically the world as as far as anime like anime would not exist in the in the the way that it does without Dragon Ball Z um having basically kind of been a catalyst to the expansion into the West, which caused the anime bubble. I mean, that yeah. that eventually did pop, but we that's why we have 200 anime coming out a year instead of 50, you know? And, I mean, Akira Toriyama, that man is, he's a special person. I mean, not only does he have the most famous anime ever in Japan, but he also created, for the most part, created the most famous video game franchise in Japan, which is Dragon Quest. And I mean he just mm-hmm. does he just does the characters, but his character designs are crucial for that series and iconic. Yep. And and I said this before, but there is nothing I'm more I'm more excited for in my life right now than than Dragon Quest eleven coming out on PlayStation Four. That game is gonna be incredible. And so you're buying you're buying it too? I'm buying it also. Oh, are you are you kidding me? I bought Dragon Quest Builders. That game was freaking the most charm charming, fun experience I've had in a long time. Um, I I bought Dragon Quest Heroes. I'm just a Dragon Quest sucker. I mean, I just am. I love the slimes. I love all the. I love all that. So and yeah, locked, that's, locked that, in. that shit is 100% Akira Toriyama's influence. Um, whose turn is it? Uh, not, not me. So you? No, I said I said Goku. Okay, yeah, brains are up. All right, so I would say um, if if we're kind of going like with characters or or basic iconic imagery. Gundam. Uh, Gundam's got to be on there. It created the entire real robot genre, including Macross. Like, Kawamori would have never created um, Macross if it wasn't for Gundam. So, Mm. I mean, we're talking like Macross is huge in Japan, and we talk like Mecha is huge. And, and, And while Mecha existed before in the super robot genre, real robots, um, I think, were, were a completely different thing. And the proliferation of Gundam. I mean, people know Gundam in the U.S. They might not necessarily know it's Gundam, but they've seen a Gundam. If we're going to talk like most famous mechs, that's one of them. No, I I agree that it should be up there because, and like you said, it might not have had the biggest impact in the West, you know, relative to all the other media that we consume in the West. But I think that it, it speaks to how iconic the design of the Gundam mechs are because I know people that don't even like anime anymore, but I'll mention the, the show Gundam Wing or Gundam Wing Endless Waltz, and they'll be like, yo, do that mech with the with the wings, bro? And I'll be like, yeah, man, I know. It's so cool. And, and I think that speaks to, to the fact that sci-fi in the West in, in the early 2000s um, you know, the, the Matrix was out and everything, but it wasn't the coolest thing in the world. Well, no, that's not true. There's a lot of cool sci-fi back then. But <laughs> I think in terms of animation, um, it's iconic. And I, I, those designs, those OPs, those fight scenes in space, it, it's a sense of wonder um, that it's not matched by any other like mech series out there. Gundam is, is on the Mount Rushmore for me, too. Yeah, I mean, Gundam Wing being another one of those anime shows that wouldn't be popular in the United States without Dragon Ball Z. I mean, it it pretty much came on. If it didn't come out before Dragon Ball Z or or after Sailor Moon, it was in that block somewhere. So, there's there's countless anime in the U.S. that we wouldn't know about without Dragon Ball. And I think that that Gundam property is one of those. Not to take anything away from Gundam, because it stands on its own for sure. It's it's a little... But, like... 
I mean, like the 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 biggest thing is we would not have um, Macross. We wouldn't have uh, quite a quite a few shows like that that maybe aren't necessarily popular or huge without Gundam. Um, and and uh, you know, as far as like a creator, Tomino also created. Um, I mean, he created like Garzy's Wing, which is infamous, if nothing else. Ugh. But he also <laughs> created. God. Or a battler Dunbine. I mean, he is he he's been very very influential in the world of mech, and um, I, I think that without things like or a battler Dunbine to come before it, uh, Escaflone never would have been a thing. And what a beautiful anime Escaflone is, um, for sure. The, the the combination of Maya Sakamoto and Yoko and Yoko and Yoko Kano and that is just, I mean. You, yes, we may never see a pairing like that again in terms of music. Um, to have a voice like Maya Sakamoto perform the songs written by Yoko Kano is just—it's almost too much. Uh, that soundtrack is just—it's the only soundtrack that can compete with Cowboy Bebop. Can so, I can I transition off that one real quick? Yeah, go for ahead. My next so for my next figure. So my next um, submission that I wanted to put up here—it's not not anime, but it actually is Yoko Kano. I think Yoko Kano deserves a place on anime Mount Rushmore. And the reason I say that is because although um, in terms of like animation direction, it's not her doing those things. It's the directors doing like most of those framing, like the framing of shots and everything. I think the way she uses music to influence what you're getting out of the scene that someone is setting up is it's, 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 it's in her own league. She, I was telling someone before that the way she, um, composes scores and music influences the way directors are actually directing. And I think I've read several articles in the past before or seen video documentaries on Yoko Kano that say that she's so good that they, like, she's in the process of making the anime before there are actual um, scenes animated. And that speaks volumes as to how she influences the work. And I mean, you can just say Bebop is the prime example. That that opening is iconic. From that, she made the seatbelts, which went on to record an entire original soundtrack. But to me, like her work with like Kids on the Slopes, like Kimichi no Apollo, is magic. Um, and I and the rest of her work is 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 not so part. Even the anime Terror and Resonance, um, not the best anime out there. But when you look at how the music for like just envelops every shot that was made to it it's i think her touch on anime is forever it's infinite and it's it's special and the the i i you know you brought up terror and resonance and and i will say i i honestly think that was probably oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> i'll say that that was probably um yoko kano's worst one of her worst um oh. works as far as like working with a show and creating music for it. Cause she did phone it in a little bit, but it, it still was leaps and bounds above what a lot of things do. So, I mean, I, I gotta agree. I mean, Yoko Kano, uh, Escaflone would not be what it is without that, that sound direction. Exactly. Um, Cowboy Bebop would not work at all. I, I think if you, they gotten any other composer, I don't think any other composer would have, basically taking this this very visual because that, that's one thing you can always say about cowboy bebop is that it's a very visual anime like it would not work in a manga it it, it has to be animated it just mm-hmm. has to I think because so too. of 
because of the way Spike and all the characters move and everything. And I think that she just did such a phenomenal job with that show. And with, with many other shows, matching up not only, you know, when you get into fight scenes, matching up music to the way these people moved. Exactly. I mean, um, she did uh, Kids on the Slope, too, mm-hmm. which is is just probably... <sighs> Like if I if I gotta recommend a music anime to somebody, I'm just like, do you like jazz? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, yeah. I got something for you. I do the like, same thing, even though like in terms of music, my like guilty favorite choice is Nana or Beck. But I always go with Kids on Slope first because I think that one is just made way better than the other two. Well, for me, for me, I normally it's like, do you like man buttocks? <laughs> and I'll be like, well. I'll tell you a man. Well, I'll tell you a man with the most dangerous buttocks, and that would be <laughs> the the one and only uh, Geist himself. So, for sure, as he comes out of his uh, oh, no! as he comes out of his his orbital satellite <laughs> with his giant with his buttocks and his flowing bl- blonde hair. Yeah, I don't know why. His, uh, I, I don't know why. For murder. Yeah, well, his pension for murder is secondary to his man buttocks. So. I just wanted to throw that out there. I thought that was important. Uh, I, I, you MD know what? Geist you is, know I, is is great for its infamy, like Garzy's wing. Yeah, it is, and for its theme song. The um, yeah. I'm not here to really like tear down uh, your your guys's picks. That was that was Kazuo's um, excitement level exploding for our argument before. But I, I'm not really convinced about Yoko Kano. Like I, I do think she's great. I, I think that uh, the fact that she, the fact that when that when Cowboy Bebop came out, Yoko Kano was only like 36 years old. I mean, that is astonishing to an extent. That she was actually, I think she was even younger than that. It might have been 34. She is only 55. She's only 54 years old right now, which it makes her, you know, still very young. But. I, I'm not going to take her off your Mount Rushmore. I won't argue with you very much, but I think that while she is um, a genius and has turned everything she touches into gold for the most part, I, I don't know that her like range of influence is really all that broad. But I, oh, I, I uh, so let let me just name off a few things. She did all the music for Ghost in the Shell series, mm-hmm. right? The standalone complex. That's true. She did Macross Frontier. She was the composer. She was the composer for. Uh, the music in Turn A Gundam, which is like if you're a if you're a Gundam fan, is probably one of the more iconic Gundams because of how ridiculous it is. She did um, stuff for Macross Plus, Macross uh, Seven. She did stuff for Magnetic Rose. She was the composer for the themes, the end song in Porco Rosso. I mean, like <sighs> Jinro, the Wolf Brigade. Um, she she has done so so many things like we even get into like um things like space dandy where she um uh, composed some music for that wolf's reign which is iconic uh to those who were from the tsunami era i mean she has had a lot of influence on some of um maybe not necessarily some of the greatest shows but some of the most well or the most critically received things that have existed listen i'm not going to argue with that but you're forgetting the most important show of all and that would be noise man sound insect i mean come on how can you forget that (laughs) listen the 1997 masterpiece eventually listen that was the 1997 masterpiece that that just narrowly preceded cowboy bebop 
And without Noise Man Sound Insect, Cowboy Bebop might not be an anime today. I want to read a comment I'm, that I'm totally uh, Fanatic wrote in the chat, and he says that Yoko Kano is usually the most memorable part of most of the anime she has worked on, and I agree, and that's why she's on there for me. Because when you t- to me, when you talk about anime, there's more than just the visual; it's visual hand in hand with sound design, and what what Yoko Kano does is like. So when I picture when I picture Spike from Bebop looking so sad and hot in space. Um, I picture that harmonica playing and and I think that's why it's so nostalgic, you know. I think that's what makes me want to go back. And it, and that's and it's her music that when the opening plays, I immediately smile. I'm just like, fuck, this is a great anime, you know? So I think that's why I put her on there because anime is not just visual, it's not just the way you frame a shot, it's also um audio design. And I think she's queen, she's a goddess in it. To wrap up on Yoko Kano, I will say that her la- her last credited anime is to- is Terror in Residence, and yeah, which she- it can go down there. <laughs> she needs to <laughs> make another. She needs to make music for another show because we cannot end on Terror in Residence. Well, I mean that's that's I mean, her last on. credited work for like anime. For anime, so, like there's it, been a mo- you got to remember like she she not only does she do solo albums and stuff and 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 another I'm just gonna say this one I really thing that should be like a telltale thing. If you look for anime music on Pandora Radio, it's hard, right? But if you type in the name Yoko Kano, they have an entire station built around Yoko Kano. Like that's pretty um, cool. But like right now, like her her most recent one is a uh, TV show that she's been working on as a composer, which is called um, uh, Now Tora, the Lady Warlord. Um, which I mean, seeing that makes me want to go watch that now because that I know that with that kind of music she'll need it. And she looks darn good in a sun hat. I'll just say that. Yes. I just posted a picture she's for you. Fifty-four. Yeah. I mean, she's not. I don't find her super attractive, but she looks cute in her sun hat. So. She does look cute in her sun hat. <laughs> so, um, moving on from Yoko Kano, I guess the the next one on my list is is. Um, Isao Takahata. I'm not going to throw Miyazaki out there. It's a little too obvious. But there was a point in Miyazaki's career where Takahata being being quite a bit older than Miyazaki, uh, I think he's like almost 10 years older than Miyazaki is, The he had been an established director, and you may have heard the story before, but he had been an established director, and Miyazaki was not established. He had only worked on a couple shows. I think his only real movie from from Ghibli was Castle in the Sky, which people love that movie. But he was relatively unknown. So when he made My Neighbor Totoro, they were concerned that My Neighbor Totoro would not be successful because he he was mostly an unknown person at that point. Whereas Takahata was not unknown. So when talk so when when he when Miyazaki was making as they often do make movies in tandem, when Miyazaki was making Totoro, Takahata was making Grave of the Fireflies. And Mm -hmm. in order to get people to watch Totoro and to give that movie some exposure, but also to get Miyazaki some exposure, they made that movie a double feature in the movie theater with Grave of the Fireflies. And so my point being there is that people went to the movie theater to see Takahata's work, but what they walked out with was a movie that it could not be more different in in My Neighbor Totoro, but they... But Takahata sort of carried Miyazaki on his shoulders for a short while until, you know, until Totoro became like the most fa- like the most popular thing since yeah. sliced bread. But so me, 
I can't say what Miyazaki would be like today if he hadn't had someone like Takahata to sort of help him into the door. And I can't say necessarily what Totoro or Studio Ghibli would look like today if Takahata hadn't been there to sort of drive influence and um, exposure to the studio. And you know, you... sorry, it's okay. And I was, I was, I was only gonna, the only other thing I was going to say was that and Takahata's movies are amazing. Um, my neighbor, the Yamadas, one of my favorite movies of all time. It is unbelievably funny and charming. Pompoko Ka- is so spot Kaguya on. Also, yeah, Kaguya Hime, the the that the recent film. That movie didn't get that that well of a reception, but it was a gorgeous Loved movie. It. it was amazing, yeah, amazingly gorgeous. And Takahata, like he has this track record where practically everything he's made is amazing. Uh, you know, I don't think he only made like five movies or something, or he didn't make as many as Miyazaki did. But I just love every movie he's made. And he gets forgotten, and it's because the Miyazaki's shadow looms so heavily over everything. But um, you know, you know, you were you were saying that that it was paired with um, uh, my neighbor Totoro as a double feature, right? That's what I, I read. Yeah, you, yeah, but but you said that, and and all I could think was like, yes, you're right. Those those movies are are quite a bit different. However, how amazing would those two movies to be to watch? like that like because you would you'd be down because of the way grave of the fireflies is. i mean grave of the fireflies is a fantastic movie um and, and you'd be on this real low point at the end with with just like these mixed feelings and then you go into totoro like that i think that would be a great combination because at the end it just takes you through this whole roller coaster of emotion all the way through both those movies yeah and one ends on a on a happier note than the other it's and uh, I, it, it could it bring you out just on this high. <laughs> I, I don't know which movie came first, honestly. I'm I'm guessing it was Totoro though, because if they wanted to get uh, Mizaki exposure, they probably would put Totoro first. Otherwise, people would just leave. Perhaps potentially, I mean, Japanese people don't seem to do that. But I mean, if it was America, they'd probably get up and leave after the first movie if they didn't really care about the second one. But I, I don't know. I don't know exactly. What I do know is that if Grave of the Fireflies came out. If it had had a theater run in the U.S., that would be a strong Oscar candidate. Uh, I would love to know if that movie could be like a competitor for, you know, with Pixar for Best Picture, because that is the exact kind of movie that just wins tons of Oscars. Um, just, I don't even know, maybe even Best Picture. I know they don't give Best Picture to animation, even though they should be considered, but God damn, that movie's so good. It's just mind-blowing. Um, I, 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 I'm going to... I'm hoping you both have seen Grave of the Fireflies. I'm guessing you have. Yes, absolutely. Many it's, times. It's just, I mean, it's almost like a prerequisite. You must watch Grave of the it Fireflies. It has its own place in everyone's heart, I think. It, car, it kind of carves one in you if you if you don't think so. So, okay. So, so yeah, so my Takahata, I'm going to throw him on there because I think he's very important. But he's very old. Okay. All right, who's up next? I guess uh, it'd be me. Yes. Alrighty, so um, I'm gonna say one that I, I, I think our our Mount Rushmores would be terrible without, like they would be um, inexcusable without. Uh oh. And that's Osamu Tezuka. Well, he is kind of uh, he is kind of the father of manga, I think. He created pretty much manga, and if you think about all the people inspired by his works, I mean, let's let's not, I mean. We're, we're talking about a man that had such um, iconic works that they still 
exists today in, in, in the zeitgeist of, of Japanese culture. I mean, we're talking about, I mean, he created Blackjack. He created um, Astro, Astro Boy, Boy uh, Kimba the White Lion. I mean, and, and his apprentices went on to create some of the most iconic manga and anime in history as well. He also made manga about Adolf Hitler, I think. Yeah. I think <laughs> just, to, just to throw that in there. <laughs> there. There is an Osamu Tezuka manga museum in Kyoto, in Kyoto that I don't think we yep. went to when, when we were on our Japan trip, but it is a little awkward to walk through the library of all the manga he created. And by the way, there's a shitload of them. And, didn't, and then you yep. run into like Adolf. And I think it's pretty, like a pretty good manga. So it was, it was definitely like highlighted in the, in the museum, but it's a little weird. I mean, like, but like Akira Toriyama wouldn't exist without him. No, um, probably not. Uh, let's see. Go Nagai wouldn't exist without the people that he inspired. You know, I mean, at, at the end of the day, we 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 can say, you know, oh, well, you know, some of these things aren't super um, necessarily prevalent today. But um, without him, uh they, uh, they're just the people he inspired wouldn't exist. Um, the manga community wouldn't exist. And uh, I, I, not in the same way. I mean, it's still today, the whole big eyes, um, the the big eye, what is it? Big eyes, small mouth thing that like the, the anime still does to this day was created yeah. by Tezuka because of his inspiration from Bambi and Snow White. Ah, so what you're saying is that manga would not exist without Disney. That is actually quite true. So maybe Disney belongs on the on the anime Mount Rushmore. I mean, it wouldn't be a wrong statement, um, just because like we we they they still use a lot of those designs to this day. Um, it, it just it. It would be ridiculous. And I, I'm going to look up famous authors because I can't think of all of the ones from Osama Tezuka um, uh, that were inspired from by him. But it. it uh, if I can actually type in a Google I mean, search. The, I mean, the <laughs> list of manga that he's created is, is, is gargantuan. You know, it's it's like it's literal. It, he literally needs his own museum to, to house all of it because there's so many of them. And there's countless ones that we don't even know about because we don't have because I mean, at least I don't read a lot of manga, so I can't really uh, say specifically what oh, yeah. he's done, I, except for the famous I ones. I forgot this. Forget this. Like Hayao Miyazaki, <laughs> like literally was inspired by Tezuka. Yeah. Well, it's like how Mozart was inspired by Bach, for example. Yeah. You know, these are like legends, legends, and everybody's always inspired by something, you know, and you got to, you can follow, you can follow the root, the root of the inflow of the inspiration all the way back to the beginning. But inevitably everyone seems to be inspired by something. So, um, who's up? I think it's Enzo. I think you're right. Did we lose him? And oh, that, that that feeling when you forget you're hosting a podcast and your mic is muted. <laughs> I'm oh, just not used to it. Yeah. We don't mute mics around here, sir. Um, so we've talked about this anime a couple times already today, but I think it uh, it's hard for me to say. Like, I it's not that this. Mm, no, I think okay. So my next answer is Kyle will be about Spike for me. 
because in the midst of the beginning, like in the middle of the whole like beginning of anime crossing over to the West, uh, it was a lot of shonen, which is easily accessible. So I understand that, and it was a lot of um, ecchi. Surprisingly, was coming over, um, and a lot of like action, action. You know, just pure action. And I think the reason I that I value Bebop a lot in the midst of all that is because it kind of told fans like, hey, you know, there's more out there. How about you just come to our show and you watch a really nicely, beautifully paced anime about characters and the character arcs and depression and all these things. Um, And I think that's something that gave a half of the audience um something that they liked even more than like dbz you know so i know i know that bebop is a very generic answer and i'm coming up the most generic podcast host of all time with this first topic that i'm debuting on but i think that spike and that ensemble of characters to me goes on the on the mountain you must really love cowboy you are you a huge cowboy bebop fan enzo i i am i am a huge cowboy bebop fan it was it, it did a lot for me growing up yeah I've probably seen every episode of Cowboy Bebop at least a dozen times um, because every time it was on, it ran on TV for like five years and I just watched it pretty much every time it was on. So, yeah, I would say I love Cowboy Bebop too. I believe it has faults and flaws, but I um, I can't I can't argue with its influence, at least in the United States. I think that there's a, a gigantic following for um, anime in the U.S. and... While Dragon Ball Z probably propelled Cowboy Bebop's popularity just by exposing people to anime and by creating that TV block, I think that Cowboy Bebop also helped to win people over, to win over their hearts in terms of, you know, enjoying the medium as an entertainment. Yeah, that's really all I got. Like I said, like we prefaced before, I didn't have a lot of time to think about these things over. So honestly, if I had a whole day, maybe I wouldn't have even put Bebop on here. But in the moment, I can't unthink Cowboy Bebop for the, the Mount Rushmore for me. Well, that's okay. You can just do what we always do. Point out your ass at the last minute. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, that's what I did. For, for, yeah, see? So you're already, you're like a professional already. So for me, the next one is Pikachu. And when I say Pikachu, I really mean Pokemon. Um, mm-hmm. But it's kind of weird to put Pokemon on the Mount Rushmore because it's usually a character. So I'm going to put Pikachu on there. Uh, Pokemon is like an industry all by itself. And it is it is a video game franchise, but it's also it's also an anime franchise and it's a mega powerhouse in terms of merchandising and honestly in terms of revenue for the anime industry. And I think that if if you had like if you had like pillars of revenue that hold up the an industry, if you do that for anime, Pokemon probably generates has probably generated a pretty substantial portion of the revenue for the anime industry for a long, long time now. A and long time. A long time. Like it's been like thirty years. And ha- and and honestly, having worked in Japan with little kids, you 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 kind of get a sense for like what they care about in Japan. And when I was over there, Pokemon Sun and Moon came out, and I got I and and I bought Pokemon Sun and I played it on my 3DS while I was in Japan. And I will tell you right now that you you'd be surprised by how ravenous and feverish they are. Little kids are for Pokemon. You have never seen children so excited to play an, an English grammar game where they get to trade fake Pokemon cards that I laminated at like a Seven Eleven. It's just like, 
the mind-blowing excitement for them. Pokemon is like this phenomenon that will never die. It will always be in the hearts of children. Going way back to children, going out into the woods at 5 a.m. in the morning and, and finding stag beetles and rhinoceros beetles and making them battle to the death. And like that whole, all that shit is Pokemon, you know, in, in, in a nutshell. The creator of Pokemon had an obsession with bugs and he liked to make bugs fight and was fascinated by that and that is why pokemon was pokemon was created and it is literally a a it's a franchise that's rooted deeply in the hearts of children in in japan in japan and because of that people carry that with them all the way into their adulthood and because it's been 30 years pretty much everybody in japan from the ages of about i don't know eight until 38 love pokemon because at some point in their life they we're a fan of Pokemon and we're a fan of bugs and fighting bugs and stuff. And that goes for guys and girls. So Pokemon's like one of those, it almost has like a spot in the brains of like an entire country. And, um, Oh yeah. I, I feel like I think of Pokemon without meaning to think of Pokemon every single day of my life, just because of how much time I've spent with that franchise or that brand. You know what I mean? Like just the, just hearing the words like, Oh, I choose you. Like, even if it's out of context, I just think of Pokemon. You know, it's that ingrained into who I am um, growing up the way I did with it in my life. So, I yeah, I agree. Pokemon goes on the Mount Rushmore 100%. It, if we're talking pillars of the industry, I think it's two pillars on its own. And the other, and the other pillar is porn. But yeah, well, yeah. duh, man. Um, but, but, <laughs> by the way, the other day, the other day, I got sucked into like one of those YouTube black holes that you get pulled into somehow, and I ended up like watching videos of stag beetles fighting uh-huh. fighting full grown scorpions, and I was like, I was like, who would win in a fight? A deadly a deadly venomous scorpion of a, of a pretty solid size, or one of those rhinoceros beetles? And those rhinoceros beetles, they're friggin' big. Like those friggin', guys. I've seen those things in like um. And Don Quixote, like it's like a Walmart type store in Japan. I've seen them selling those things, and they're like they get they get like as they get about as big as a soda can. They are they're not joke they're not they're no joke. They get that's a big one, but they get big. And just watching the consistency of basically this a scorpion has no shot. It's like it can't pierce the it can't pierce it cannot pierce the armor of the of the rhinoceros beetle, and the rhinoceros beetle basically just goes up. Grabs it in its forceps, it just rips that sucker right in half. Like these, these bugs are crazy. Jeez. Like I reckon, yeah. if you want to see bug carnage, and they will fight because they are so like these are like these bugs are so amped up on steroids. They are on the most the most wicked concoction of <laughs> anabolic steroids you have ever seen. And they All are organic, organic steroids. They are juiced to the gills, and they want to fight everything. And it is worth looking up online just to watch how ridiculously powerful these insects are. They are, I'm pretty sure that they would like do some damage to your hand if you let them grab it. Send me a video because I kind of want to make a Mimi uh, one where we set to very dramatic music. <laughs> I mean, you, you'd think a scorpion the size of like a, of like a dinner plate or whatever could fight one of these things, but Emperor they, they, scorpion. They, they can't do it. It won't win. Nope. It never does. That's awesome. They're just too. They're just too powerful. I'll send you a video. It's very well, interesting. And it's yes, also send me a the, video. the fact that like scorpions' main, um, most dangerous weapon is their venom, and they can't pierce the shell of those beetles. Like, they're too strong. I don't um, know. Good, good, good scorpion. Uh, yeah. So 
I'll post a link. I'll post a link for you in the chat. You can watch it later. Yes, it's your turn. Go ahead. Go ahead, kind sir. All righty. So I'm I'm like torn between like three for my last one. Uh oh. Because <sighs> there there are three things that that I think, or at least two of them, for definitely for sure, belong on there in some way, shape, or form. Um, but I I think the one I'm gonna choose is, and this is gonna be a controversial pick, but Fist of the North Star. Interesting. Mm. Because between that and Dragon Ball, they built the gold standard for battle anime. Interesting. Fist of the North Star. Like, like Fist of the North North Star is from like the eighties. It's it's heavily violent. The anime wasn't um, that well animated, but uh, you know it's it's got it's definitely aged. But that show created or that that manga helped create that gold standard i mean fist of the north stars is is i I believe it's still incredibly popular in japan because you'll still randomly see manga of it made or not manga um ovas and stuff of it made um like and it 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 was 80s big guys kind of very much in the same vein jojo's bizarre adventure was um and I'm not sure where JoJo's came in, but I, I wouldn't doubt that it had some sort of influence on it. Um, and and it just it it it, it just it was the hyper violent one of the hyper violent animes of of that time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, I mean, how many people can you watch explode in one episode, basically from the inside out, sort of? Uh, quite a few. Yeah, quite a few. <laughs> um. And and uh, as far as like his influences go, I mean, Miuro, the creator of Berserk, was influenced by Fist of the North Star. Um, so, I mean, it just it's it's a very very influential um, series in in the way that it it affected the things around it. I think. Uh, um, speaking of violent, by the way, I just watched. I just kind of went. I skipped through one of those beetle fights that I just posted for you. This scorpion fights this beetle, and the beetle literally rips the entire like tail, the stinger of the scorpion, clean off its body. Like it snaps it clean off, and they do like a like a black light at the end of it, and there's just pieces of the scorpion all over the little the little circular battle arena, like everywhere. Oh my god, I just got to there because like this scorpion is just has no shot. It has no shot against this beetle, <laughs> and 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 it's just. It's just—it's pretty Dude, awesome. Dude, this is intense, Be- man. These beetles. Now imagine two of those beetles fighting each other. It's pretty cool. Anyway, do you want me to? Do you want me to tell you the the other two I had, or? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so my other two that I was I was warring with um, were Akira and Ghost in the Shell. Those are both very influential. Um, yeah. Ballsy of you to pick. Uh, um, Fist of the North Star. I give you credit for that. I think outside the Dude, box. Dude, this scorpion is getting wrecked. Oh, it has no shot. Anyway, so holy shit! Sorry. <laughs> my other pick is Lupin the Third. Um, Lupin the Third originally came out in 1971, and they are making another season of Lupin the Third uh, this this year, and that marks what 47 years of Lupin the Third. Lupin the Third is, I mean, good lord in heaven. I mean, in the last season of it was was really quite good. 
So it's not like it's it's not like the popularity of Lupin the Third is waning at all. This series is right. this series is popular to the extent that when we were in Kobe on the Japan trip, we caught the tail end of a high school band performance out in public. And what were they playing? Lupin the Third's theme song, because that anime has penetrated every square inch of Japan and is one of those sort of anime that came out right when, when before anime was this big thing, a lot a lot like Gundam. Where mm-hmm. you know, and you know, they're coming out both in the '70s. Lupin might even be older than Gundam. I'm pretty sure it is, and has proliferated and has influenced countless anime since then, and to the and and is still prolific to the extent that they're making another season coming up, season five of Lupin the Third, and there's like 500 movies, and Lupin the Third is awesome, so he deserves to be on 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 the Mount Rushmore, and he has amazing sideburns. Yeah, you gotta give it to the sideburns. Yeah, the sideburns—they're—they're yeah. they're pretty intense. So that wraps up my list. I had Takahata, Pikachu, Lupin the Third, and Goku. So that's all I got for you. Yeah, I so far have Goku, DBZ, Yoko Kano, and Spike. And I—I don't want to—I don't want to give another name. I have—I have, didn't have time to think about another one. But I'll—I'll I'll come back. I'll come back to it later on, in maybe a different episode. What was your full list, brains? Before we head off to the news break. So that would be um, Akira Toriyama, just in general. Um, Gundam, uh, Fist of the North Star, and um, oh goodness, where was it? Osamu Tezuka. That's it. I was really pleased that we didn't have like a whole lot of overlap other than some Dragon Ball Z, but I mean, I think it was kind of obvious. Yeah, me too. So, all right, well, since... um. Since Enzo was so excited to read the last intro trivia question, would um, Brains, would you like to read this one? Sure, I think I could do that. Alrighty. Deep in the Ararat Mountains of Turkey, a secret organization known as Arkham has founded what is believed to be Noah's Ark. However, the U.S. Machine Corps, a rogue organization of the Pentagon, wants to take over the Ark as a means of global supremacy. That anime. Name that anime. This is a tough one, so we'll see. We'll see how people do. And when, and when we come back, we're going to be reviewing uh, Love and Lies, which is an anime from the summer season. So uh, stick around, and we'll be back after a few minutes with that. Hey all you anime addicts, it's Mitsugi again, and it's time for your anime news break. Leading us off, there's been some public criticism regarding Devilman Crybaby on Twitter from Japanese anime critics. Artist, art critic, and anime critic Yohei Kurose is not a fan of the the Devilman Crybaby property that is available on Netflix, and he had some things to say about it. He specifically criticized the anime as having an even more serious problem than than the previous Pop Team Epic anime that he had already criticized. He cites the use of the terms otaku anime versus subculture stylish anime, describing otaku anime as being popular with Japanese audiences, but stylish subculture anime being popular with a worldwide audience. I believe what he's trying to say is the modification of anime to fit a style that is suitable for international audiences. He explains that he thinks that the, um, that Yuasa was appointed for the project because people believe that subculture anime has a greater chance of succeeding internationally than otaku anime would, which really ticked off the creator of the anime. 
who said in response to these tweets, quote, you're free to say whatever opinions you like. I don't intend to find fault with the opinions of regular people, but be that as it may, if it's someone close to my acquaintances, I'll object. Since they have no cause to needlessly insult people that I feel are doing a good job, I have no reason to be silent. And this coming from the creator of the anime itself, Yuasa. If you want to read more about the sort of Twitter battle going on about Devilman Crybaby, you can go check it out on Twitter, or you can just go watch Devilman Crybaby for yourself on Netflix and create your own opinions. Next up, well, it looks like High School DxD is getting another anime in April. The official website of High School DxD said that there is a fourth season coming out. It's going to premiere in April, and has some art designs have been posted for various characters from the series. It is a light novel series that centers around Issei Hyodo, a dim-witted, lecherous second-year high school student who is killed by a girl on his first date ever. Issei is reincarnated as a devil, and from that day forward, he serves as an underling of Dias, a high-level devil who is also the prettiest girl on Issei's campus. Very etchy sort of perverted anime that's, um, well, it is what it sounds like. And if you like High School DxD, it's coming back for a fourth season, so hooray. Next up, it looks like Young Jump Magazine is getting itself a manga app. Suisha announced on Thursday that they're going to be creating an app called Yan John for weekly Young Jump Magazine. And also, it will offer manga from that magazine and the Tonadino no Young Jump magazine, manga websites as well. It's going to have original content also included in it. So if you are a fan of any of the manga properties that are on Young Jump magazine or on the Tonadino no Young Jump magazine, well, you might want to get the Yan John app so you can, I'm presumingly, read manga on your phone. And next up, it looks like Nintendo Switch was the best-selling console in the U.S. in December, probably winning the... The holiday battle they sold 1.5 million units within the united states in december which is according to the npd group nintendo also reported that its nintendo 3ds family sold more than 750,000 units in december in the u.s a 27 percent increase over the same month last year so it looks like the switch continues to do well and um good for nintendo and it's being prolific and i hope that a lot more popular games continue to come out for that property Lastly, Naoki Urasawa, one of the most famous manga creators of all time, I'll just say it, created, having created Monster, Pluto, and 20th Century Boys, all considered to be probably three of the top ten most famous mangas of all time. There is a stage version of, of Naoki Urasawa's Pluto manga that it's going to involve actors, dancers, and puppet creations. It's going to run at the London Barbican Center from Thursday, February 8th until February 11th. So if you are anywhere near that area, you're going to want to check this out. The performances will be in Japanese and have English subtitles. It's going to be approximately three hours, including an intermission. The story depicts a universe where people and robots both coexist and find themselves in conflict. Pluto engages audiences with far-reaching themes that ask what it means to be human, Starring skilled Japanese actors alongside dancers and elaborate puppet creations, the arresting staging is characterized by scale, energy, and graphics faithful to the original comic book. So if you are a fan of performance art, you're going to have to get out to this Barbican Theater in London and check that out in early February. This was Mitsuki, and this was your anime news break. Now, time to get back to the podcast. Mitsugi, where are you? I'm in the podcast studio. Oh, okay. Wait, what? Oh my god, Mitsugi, aren't, aren't you supposed to hate Moe? You, you know, the anime pit of hell and all that stuff? Yeah, well, 
Well, I do. So then why have all of our studio figures been replaced by a, assorted Moe Nendroids? What, what happened to Goku? Well, I was on JList.com, and JList has a giant collection of Nendoroids, and they're just so damned cute, so I bought a bunch of them. Of course, these will be used for Church of Mitsugi experiments only. Yeah, okay. Well, how much of the podcast budget did you spend on this secret Moe-loving endeavor? Not much. Nendoroids are really affordable and super high quality. You should go on JList.com and check out their selection. They have Saitama and Genos Nendoroids. I know how you love One Punch Man. Oh man, I will be on JList.com tonight. One Punch, one website. Welcome back yet again to the 405th episode of the Anime Axlamas podcast. So good to be here with you guys. And we have Enzo. So good to be here. That's right. And it's good to have you, Enzo, and all of your naked. Are you naked right now? Uh, benefits of a webcam is you don't know. I want you to know that you <laughs> want that there's one thing that you will never take from me, and that is my ability to do this podcast without pants on. I just, that's uh, important. Sure. <laughs> I have eight years of experience of doing this podcast pantsless, and you have a you have a lot I'm to learn, nervous. Grasshopper. I, I feel like if I try to do it, I'm going to get caught somehow. So we had an in-show weekly trivia question. The trivia was uh, another name that anime deep in the Arca and the Ar- Ararat Mountains of Turkey. A secret organization known as Arcam has found what is believed to be Noah's Ark. However, the U.S. Machine Corps, a rogue organization of the Pentagon, wants to take over the Ark as a means of global supremacy. Have either of you seen the movie Spriggan? I have a long time ago. Because it's a decent action movie, but probably not a great movie overall. But I believe that it is a, uh, a Katsuhiro Otomo joint. So, I think so. Or uh-huh. there's at least some influence there with uh, Akira. Because I remember I watched it initially because it had some at least some of the staffers from Akira involved in it. So... But um, I've not seen it, but I should check it out. Now that I've seen, now that I've said that, I want to look it up. Spriggan, because I, I want to see if this is an Atomo an, an Atomo film, because that would be probably why I watched it initially. And the director is the producer is Katsuhiro Otomo, which is probably why I watched it. So, all right, so um, we're gonna do a review on Love and Lies, otherwise known as Koi to Uso, which is the correct translation because that's exactly what Koi to Uso means. And um, this is an anime that came out on July 4th, so right there on, on uh, Independence Day 2017. And it's done by Linden Films, the studio directed by Seiki Takuno, whom has... guy's got a lot of credits here. He has directed... Episode directed just about everything in the world. Seiko Boys, he directed that. I don't know what that is. Udon no Kuni no Kinido Kemari. Anybody watch us? Uh, Anime about an, an Udon country? Uh, no, no. Yamada-kun and the Seven Witches or something? Oh, I've seen that one before, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So, what, so Koito Uso is this anime where, first of all, I can understand why I think Chiaki passed this anime some months ago. And I think that the reason for that is that the premise is really interesting. There is... Obviously, we all know that Japan has a really low birth rate, 
they're they're basically working themselves into extinction into extinction as we speak and it's a huge problem and i think the government recognizes that because they've tried to do different things to fix the birth rate but it hasn't worked and this anime has created sort of a a a fictional world where the government at age 16 the government forces you to have an arranged marriage so they will pair you up with another person when you turn 16 which they claim doing so has dramatically increased the birth rate which by the way that concept itself is actually a lot more interesting than, than the anime was mm-hmm. yeah and and um the anime's first episode is quite good because you find that there's this boy and his name is uh the hell Nejima uh, you you Nejima Yukari Nejima you, yeah Yukari yeah and he is in love with a girl named Takasaki and she's this really pretty girl that's in her class and they're having this dilemma because he confesses to her that he likes her and she miraculously says that he likes her back that she likes him back which is so rare and so they get like this this relationship going right as he's turning 16 and he gets paired up with another girl named Didina and sort of there's like this heartbreak thing because he wants to be with Takasaki but he really can't because he's being paired up with this other girl. And there's some really adult scenes in the beginning of this show because there's like there's a moment where they're on like this park bench all alone having this emotional moment because they realize that they, that they like each other, but they can't be together. And she looks at him and she's like, Oh, what did she say? I took a picture of her with my phone. Cause I thought it was so like out there. They're fooling around in the park. You know, they're like making out on this park bench. And she says to him, as soon as I find it, she says, the way that I like you makes me want to kiss you and do other things too. And I'm like, wow, that's like a really mature comment for, for anime yeah and then they and then they go to like and then they're making out on the park bench all alone and they're like busting a slop and all that and it's very sexual and i'm like wow this is an anime that is like actually mature you have a mature relationship here between two people that like each other and then boom like the government shows up sort of serves the boy his papers that says you're going to marry this girl who the girl who the girl who he's paired up with is very attractive and but you know he's in love with this other girl and so that's sort of the premise of the show and how it unfolds. So I can't really blame Chiaki for having some faith in the show and passing it because the premise is kind of interesting and the way that the relationships are handled, at least initially, are pretty mature and believable. So um, where do we go from there with this, guys? So I, I want to I start with agreeing that I don't... I don't... I have... Like, I completely understand why, like... Chiaki passes or Kimiko pass. I forgot which one of them did it, it was but Chiaki. why it was passed because the first three episodes, I remember me being locked in because yeah, the premise is, is very interesting. It's very meta. The birth rate in Japan is currently not where they want it to be. It's not meeting goals for life expectancy of the population. So I think it's interesting that this story tackles that problem. That's very real. And I, and I'm also like a sucker for episode ones that give you um, a taste of the happy ending and then takes it away from you really fast because I think that's very it's a it's a, it's a jerk you know it's it's a jerk towards like a, the the story and I think it's a very good way to get someone locked in because you're like oh shoot okay I see where this is going um, 
And in the first two episodes, I really like uh, the main boy, and I like the two girls um, because they're very well de- they're very well defined. Takasaki um, isn't paired up yet, and she logically is saying like I can't see you anymore. Like you're paired with someone else. Like, but I still like you so much, and that's why like, when I see you, we're gonna make out because I'm so attracted to you, right? And Rina at the beginning is also like not into Yukari because who the hell is this boy that came out of nowhere? Just because I'm paired up with you doesn't mean I'm gonna like you. And she ends up liking Takasaki as a person, so she wants to help them out. And Yukari is a, is a human being; he can't just delete his feelings for Takasaki immediately just because right. he got paired up with someone else, right? So like that that those first three episodes are they work? They work because things are set up and things are consistent. Um, Later on in the show, um, things get introduced that, that don't ever pay off, and that's where it kind of loses its edge for me. So there's another main character. I forgot his name, but he's a boy. Very interesting. I loved how forward they were with this guy being gay um, and having a crush on Yukari and um, and stealing any time he can with him because he has his own agenda. He's just like, I can't be with this guy, but whenever I can, I'm going to be there with him. Um, but they, they, they set up this thing where like him and Takasaki have this like weird tension with each other, not like sexual, just like a weird tension. They never really explain it unless I forget. Cause I saw his anime as it came out. Um, so I don't remember everything. Please excuse me. So correct me if I say things wrong in chat. Um, they're but, good. They're good at that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll learn as I go. But, um, yeah, so that's set up. There's this whole like side plot where like the system might be a little corrupt. Um, with this one character they introduce, this girl with like white hair, I think that's that never really pays off either. Um, and then, and maybe I'll let Brains handle the ending so that he can so when I pass it to him. But um, I didn't like the ending. It's it, it felt like a oh. We ran out of episodes, got to wrap it up somehow, and then they just wrapped it up. So it's I, I liked the anime in the beginning. I thought I, I thought it was like a very it felt like Scum's Wish because it was it it let emotions be real and not very censored, which I think is important when you are talking about a subject like love. It's very realistic, and with this pre- in this context, it feels real- it felt realistic. It's a shame that throughout the anime, it kind of lost that flair it had. It kind of just became an anime where miscommunication is the devil. And uh, yeah, so that's where I stand on it. Um, I'll give I guess I'll wait for the rating. But brains, you got anything to say? I got I, I got quite a bit to say. Uh, first off, uh, Icy Rose said in the chat. Quite a few people actually said it in the chat. Karyuki Cat and. And uh, Frigimon Fanatic all, all, all said that um, this was Kimiko's pick. Okay. Oh, was it? Yep. And she, she, um, she said it wasn't, but she probably lied because she didn't want to admit it. Well, as, think, as I'm posting memes it, of like me blowing my head off and stuff the whole week. Right. <laughs> well, so um, Chiaki's pick, which is somewhat similar to this, I, I, I can't remember if she was going to pass it or if she did pass it, was Love Tyrant. Oh God! Um, that that was definitely that was definitely worse. Yeah. Uh. So, but 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 this show, I actually like this show a lot. I I, I kind of like, you know, was real down on it on um, the episode I did, mo- mostly for comedic purposes. Like this show isn't that bad. I think the the biggest problem and and, and why I'm down on it more than um I should be. 
is of 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 two things that I that I that disappointed me about the show. The first was um, the fact that it didn't really kind of keep up with the thought idea of what it could have done with that premise. So my expectations kind of affected more like uh, my they, viewing of the show. More like they totally ignored it completely. Yeah, well, not completely. Definitely. They had moments where they talked about it, but it didn't make sense. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 the other the other end of it is the ending reminds me so heavily of the end of Macross Frontier, where um, what's the main character of Frontier? I can't remember his name right now. I can't either. Um, but Mac, the ending of Macross Frontier, you 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 basically had the same kind of thing happen like just the the love triangle you know what i mean and um depending on whether you watch the movies or the uh series depends on the ending but at 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 at, at the end of the series um the main character uh did this terrible terrible thing where he just like they're basically the the two really hot idols. Well, okay, Cheryl Gnome's hot. I'm I'm not a Ronka Lee fan. All right, plenty but, of people are. <laughs> plenty of people are a Ronka Lee fan. Yes, um, but these two idols look at him and say, "Make a choice." And at the end, he grabs both their hands and says, "You're both my wings." <laughs> like <laughs> what? <laughs> Real life, you don't get to do this. Uh, what was Alto? Alto was his name. That's right. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave out that. But like, what this ending reminded me of was, "You're both my wings." Like, what? Um, yeah. And I, the oh, go, sorry, go ahead. The show's romantic moments where they build the relationships between the characters are great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. That um, the characterizations of, of of those girls is a little shallow at, at points, but the relationship building is fantastic. Um, I seem to recall liking the art a lot in the show, and and yeah, on on top of all that, like even uh, what was his friend's name? Um, yeah, friend, uh, friend I, I couldn't think of it either. Oh my god! It's because it, it's Ririna Misak or it's Riri, blah 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 Ririna. Yeah. And Nisaka? Taka, Takasaki? Nisaka. Nisaki. Yusuke Nisaka. Nisaki, Takasaki. Nisaka, yeah. It's his, and, it's and his she, guy friend. Uh, no, no, no. That's... Oh, oh, Nejima. Yeah. Yukari... No, wait. Nejima's the main uh, character. Nejima's the main character. It, it is Nisaka. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, like, even the relationship with Nisaka, like, while they kind of, like, played it for a little bit of, like, comedic effect and some... some... some BS... Like with that, like the, the just the way it developed, there was some BS involved in that. But it, the the growth of that character, it, it seemed every character kind of got like an episode or two of arc kind of focused on them. Like so, it wasn't bad. I think the the problem was the main character himself is so unlikable because he doesn't want to make a choice because he is sitting there warring with himself on on these things. And then apparently we we get told halfway through the show that if he makes a choice other than the one the government gave him. Okay, wait a second. Wait a second. Messed up. 
Play it again. Spoilers are coming. Oh. Yeah. Go ahead. So, like, the biggest thing about it is it's 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 this isn't like much of a spoiler, but like towards the end of the show, they like the whole premise of the show is he is he gonna choose so and so or so choose so and so, and like the, basically the idea that they had to have the secret relationship, right? Um, you find out like towards the end of the show that he doesn't have to make. Or he he doesn't have to stay with the woman he was assigned to, at all. Yeah, that kind of that's pretty frustrating, actually. I mean, like it was like you, you just found out, like, oh yeah, he he can choose not to be with her at the end of six months. Yeah, but so, uh, yep. it'll screw up his life. I have so many questions about all this. Like, first of all, I looked up the birth and death rates of Japan. So Japan is um, fourth from last in the world on birth rate. The only countries that have a lower birth rate than Japan are Saint Pierre. Uh, and Miquelon, which is some tiny island, and Monaco. By comparison, Japan has the 33rd highest death rate. So, Jeez. they're not doing too well. Any, but um, the show is sort of a disaster. I mean, honestly, like the premise of the show. I have so many questions. Like, first of all, they seem to know an awful lot about the about this government program. Right off the right off the bat, they're talking about it in school. Well, they should. Yeah, they should, because they're talking about it in school, and they're all at the age where they're getting ready to be assigned. And you would think that, considering the the breadth of knowledge that they seem to have, just as they talk about it an awful lot, you would think somebody would know, oh, I can just quit on the girl I was assigned to after six months. And that virtually eliminates the entire show's plot line, because the whole show is about the the emotional grappling that goes down in the beginning of the show with him not being able to be with Takasaki and then a whole lot of drama between the three of them. And I'm mm-hmm. like, and I'm like, well, none of that shit matters because he knows because he can just freaking quit on her. So like they basically negate the whole point of the show entirely. No, I right. super, I super agree because, um, and now I'm remembering thanks, thanks to the, for the chat for saying a lot of good comments in the, in the yeah. chat, because it's, it's helping me remember a lot. Um, I also remember being really confused by the fact that, um, if the goal of this program, right, is to pair a man and a woman to reproduce, if these two guys, if this girl and this guy like each other already, can't they like to me it just made no sense to enforce it so hard where they even had to wait six months exactly or like where like he could just be like hey government how about the fact that her and i are already a thing can we just be a thing together and you, know, you can make up some counter arguments but like we can make up whatever we want but in the show it's not held up strong enough for that reasoning to not work and then also the and going to with your point, Mitch, it does just kind of invalidate a lot of the drama. Um, there's a lot of wasted potential for this show too. Um, I had mentioned before, and I think Icy Rose mentioned in the chat. Like, a, yeah. there's there's a gay character in this show, a gay man, in a world where you're going to be forced to go into male female relationships, and that is such gold conflict to write with. And it is not explored as deeply as you could go. And then something else that I, rem- I remember it's me not and explored Ant- at all, really. At all, he's yeah. Just like, at all. He's mm-hmm. just like, I'm, I'm going to refuse marriage when it comes to me because my brother did his part and accepted one. I'm just going to say, right? look, look, I'm like, just gonna... and that's like in a throwaway line where he then explains that if our main character Nejima throws away this chance, basically 
yes, there's nothing bad that happens to you legally, but the societal stigma really affects you. You'll get rejected from your high-end university. You'll find it hard to get a job, et cetera. No, totally. And, but but that's why, like, when, when I say, like, he has a girl that is willing to be with him, you know? It's not like right. he's saying no and to be single. Like, the main dude could say no and then look to his left and be like, hey, Takasaki, we can be together now. Let's just go forward to the government together and get married right now. Like, you know what I mean? So that's why, like, even though they use that in the show as, like, a, a reasoning, I think it's just a very convenient um, way out for them. So so I, 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 I wanted to make another observation real quick. Like, the, this is a very fascist society. Like, and um, I, I think I mentioned it in... in uh, on the episode I did, I, I reviewed this, but like BCom just said in the chat, he's like, it's, um, it's because it's more than just about making babies. In the beginning, they allude to the fact that it's basically a eugenics program. They say it has led to an increase in average IQ, et cetera. But like, so the, the, that is something that's also very like prescient, just like if you think about that world at all, you're like, this is basically like, a Nazi eugenics program or Japanese eugenics program, basically where they're just like, yep, you and you are very, very are the most compatible you can possibly be. So let's make babies out of you. And that's what they're doing. Like it's about so much more than just increasing the birth rate. It's about creating the most perfect children and everything through their genetic, through their match, um, through this program. And it, so much of it is not, not touched on, which I, I don't know if we if we should be mad at the show for not touching on something you should be like that. You should be because that's the whole premise of the show. The whole premise is. Well, the premise of the show is the relationships between those two people. Like, well, to be fair, but it's the problem that the world like the, the world building that they do for this world. And basically the world building is what causes the, the conflict, like you said, Mitz. But then they completely throw away that world building halfway through a 12 episode show. Like, <laughs> I kind of like what I'm um, reading that Ice Hero said. It's kind of making me think a little bit more. Um, he says that the system um, is kind of proven to work based on the fact that Yukari and Ririna do end up liking each other near the end of the of the show. So that's kind of cool. I didn't realize that. So I take a step back. But I still think like if in the moment you because they still you know you guys didn't start out well at all so that's why i think it was a whole bunch of wasted time to wait six months when you could just try with this other girl but uh, that's a good observation nice heroes going back going back to the gay character i don't even know why there's a gay character in this anime to be honest because it's a good idea it's a it's, it's a good idea for writing material it's it, that conflict is is incredible it's a, it's physical conflict it's internal conflict it's conflict against your backdrop which is it's gold it's a gold mine but they didn't write anything yeah i mean i i guess so but i think more likely they stumbled into it ass backwards because this anime can't even get the initial premise established let alone dive into something that like you know deep and political so and to just top that off like i get i get that there's this society where male and females are paired off and that man that makes you wonder well where's the gay how does the gay character fit in right but this society is obviously pretty horrific for the straight people too because mm -hmm. nobody wants to be forced into an arranged marriage with someone that they don't know and i and i feel like the the initial meeting between didina and 
whatever the hell the main character's name is, Nejima, like they're pretty much under emotional duress the entire time. And so this society is pretty much horrific for everybody. But the premise of the show was arranged marriages that was just a cheap way to create some like love triangle drama. And so as far as as I'm concerned, the show shouldn't even have a gay character in there because there's no, that's not what the show's about. Like if if, if you're going to, maybe you could say, oh, if you're going to put a gay character in there, then you should do something more with it. But like, that's not what the show's about. So I wonder why that's even in there at all, to be honest. So like, I, 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 I'll partially disagree with your statement. You can throw a gay character in there and do nothing with the fact that they're gay. But it's how they threw the gay character in this show, particularly. Like, he's in love with the main character. He's in a society with, that forces marriage between straight people. I mean, you basically could have created the same show, but just done rich people with arranged marriages. I mean, arranged marriages uh, are a thing we've seen in anime plenty of times. Well, and, I, and they could have created more conflict with it by making it a little more dramatic. And like these parents are like all up in their business, making them be that way. Well, I th- I think you're sort of I think you sort of just like I think you sort of just highlighted my point because my point is just yeah. simply I don't understand if they, if they weren't going to do anything with the gay character, why have him in it? Just for the right, sake? Right, is right. it just that's, for the sake of it? Meant. Is like, it just I was because clarifying the fact that you're not necessarily saying? If they have a gay character in an anime, but in this particular anime, the way they wrote him. Uh, and what I'm saying is they should not have wrote him if they were not intending to do anything with it. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't, the show couldn't even get its shit together to accomplish the task of just figuring out how to have two people deal with having an arranged marriage, let alone throw, throw something that, um, that controversial and political into the discussion. Like there's no freaking way they were going to, they were going to succeed there. They can't even get their shit together to accomplish the first thing. So I don't know why I don't, I don't understand the point of it. And I don't understand the point of, it would make a lot more sense to me if the, if the, if the care, if his friend, if the, if his gay friend had, if he was in love with another gay person, but they couldn't get married. Cause then I'm like, Oh, well now that makes sense because they're not allowed to get married in a society where arranged marriages are only between man and a woman, which by the way, the whole point of the show was to create babies. So we all know that two dudes aren't, aren't making a baby, but, but like, that's not, that's not what happens. He falls for his friend who has not one, but two girls that he's dealing with. So I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't fit. It doesn't make any sense at all. They could have made they they could have made the the whole premise about what it's like to be in that society for people that don't quite fit into the bounds of their weird fascist social construct, but that's not the choice they they took to make, and that's just that just highlights how bad the writing in the anime is. It's just it isn't most of the stuff in the show makes no sense. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I wanted more from that character for sure. Just it's interesting, you know. It's it's a good perspective to try and write on, um, give a voice to that character but yeah it probably it probably could be argued that it would be that it would have been a more interest, interesting show had they taken that route yeah i know it, it, i would love to see that i would love to see that anime but i can't i can't really fault the care i can't fault the anime for not doing anything with the character i fault the anime for having the character at all, all right. I, I, I have i half agree i think he, i think he aside from the one facet of him, which is that he's gay, the he is a great friend as well. So he did he did that part well. Yeah. That being that part of the writing is is done well. I just I just wanted to know more about him. Well, maybe there'll be a sequel. God, I hope not. 
I Should we not. talk about some of the, <laughs> the good things about this show? Because we have been kind of tearing it up a little bit. Well, yeah. I don't really like anything about it, to be honest. I watched I watched two episodes of it, thought it was interesting, and then it did literally nothing for like eight episodes straight. It was just ran, like random shit that made no sense. Like a boy who is terrified to do sexual things with, with either girl, even though he's kissing the girls and is obviously plenty old to be... I mean, I get that he's not an adult, but they're but they're they're pairing them up for arranged marriages at sixteen, so that kind of throws the, the the you have to be eighteen to be an adult rule right out the window. Um, he he can't get his shit together to do, to do that. You got like Linina trying to get him to like make out with Takasaki, which I never understood. Like she has some kind of like a sick fetish with telling her to her to be her fiance to make out with other girls. Um, <laughs> and and then like the show just it was so boring that I it was one of those moments where I just, it, I, you're, you're losing your focus because nothing is happening. And I ended up turning it on to like one and a half speed. Cause I'm like, this is crazy. Like they do nothing in this anime at all. So okay. I don't know. What are I the th- good points? I, I think, I think this anime has a very strong, um, rising action. I think at the beginning the, the setup is a super strong point because it gives you a premise. It gives you enough to make you wonder. It sets up, two characters that have this new established relationship that it's immediately taken away, which is always interesting to, to, to read about or witness on the screen. Um, I think the characters in context in this world with this backdrop interact in a way that I like in the beginning. Um, I think that the art was really well done. I remember liking the music as well. I like that they're forward in their, in like in forward as in the anime wasn't afraid to show passion with when they kiss and everything. I liked it. It, didn't, yep. it wasn't afraid to show Takasaki being forward, like as a woman in anime, which you don't see a lot. Um, and so I think those are all really good things. And I think from that core, you had the opportunity to make an anime that was very interesting. You could have even taken this anime. I remember talking with Andrew Fujimon Fanatic a while back while this, ago, while this was ongoing. Midway through, we were like, is this the anime that, ta- that tackles polyamory in a very good way? Because it could, it maybe, there, maybe this could have been the anime about the first paired polyamorous couple, you know? So like, and that's interesting to take it that route. It's never been done before. I don't think, um, with the whole government not, being like, not not know? really polyamorous. Like they they they've had. I mean, you've had your Tenchi Muyos, etc. Right, but that's like a harem, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, this is like an actual like. It, this Probably one this would have seemed more yeah. like. Well, what, I have friends that are polyamorous. This see this would have seemed more like true to, to what I've witnessed and heard about from my friends. Um, so I think there's a lot of opportunity here. Um, it's I and then it falters just from the fact that it I think it loses itself in its own world building, and yeah. But I think those that's what I like about the show. I think the beginning is something you could learn from. So that's my takeaway. I don't know, Enzo. Ha- having I, having actually been in a polyamorous relationship before, I, I I watch anime now, and I'm like practically every anime I watch is like borderline polyamory. Like like <laughs> so like, like okay. we just reviewed so, gamers. I mean like oh I. There's a ton of shows out there that like that like kind of tiptoe that the tiptoe that line without without they don't mean to do it but like the whole concept of a harem sort of plays at that. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I think the 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 harem genre plays at that, but I think this one would have been more like every I don't know. I think I think, I think this one would have been more true. 
So, so yeah, right. That's that's what I was gonna say. I mean, you you can see that Ririna almost has feelings for Takasaki. Like right. that's yeah, I kind of like saw a, that a little bit. Real thing, and I I kind of wonder like with the the way the Santa May ends, say they make a season two, um, if if they will dive into like the feelings that she has for um, Takasaki because they they are more than just friend. I mean, yes, she adores her as a friend, but there there is. Um, not maybe necessarily something romantic, but but maybe almost familial there, um, in in a, in a way that would make sense that that you see some polyamorous um, relationships develop, like in in like there's not like the outright rivalry thing going on, and and like there are there are points in the show that are that are very like dramatic and hit right, like um, I can't remember what episode it is, but it's the episode where they have to go. For that um, little seminar about sex, Ririna and um, Nejima, and I, I think what happened was he was basically kind of tricked by a government agent who was just pretending, like joking, you know, um, but also didn't seem like he was joking, mm-hmm. and he kind of goes too far with Ririna. Like without her permission, it is a very, very important, I think, moment because they don't they don't play it off for um, joke or comedy. What they what they sit there and they do is they they actually talk about like they show her crying and like Nejima knows he messed up and they talk about that and they don't spend time together because of that. And then when they finally do spend time together again, it's 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 a, it's a whole. Um, conflicting mess at first because they don't like they're they are having to write letters to talk to each other. I mean, there's something almost heartwarming about the the fact that they like really heartwarming about the fact that they were sending letters back and forth. Um, Rirna and Nejima, the reason for their split so that more characters could get focused made sense, and it was kind of dark, and it makes sense for kids that honestly don't know what they're doing, and and it's. It's 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 very interesting. I, th- I think they just the execution like this show has great moments. I think it just like you, I, I can't remember which one of you said it, but the, the show gets lost in its own world building. I mean, that's that's what it really is. Um, it, heck, even um, Nisaka, Nisaki, Nisaka, Nisaka, yeah, Nisaka, mm-hmm. his his arc with that school festival is kind of good. Like I enjoyed it. Like yeah, me too. If if I sat down, like if I sit down and look at the show with the individual arcs and the character development and the the interactions between the character characters, not necessarily look at that. If I throw out that world building for the most part, except for oh, these people are kind of put in an awkward position because of this, and just ignore everything else. Like there are great moments in the show. And I'm not saying you should have to ignore it, but like you can if you just kind of ignore that that world building that kind of permeates the show and kind of screws everything up. You can see the great moments in there. It just, it just is a, it's, it's, it's a hard balancing act that they didn't manage to follow with their world building. They tried to build the world too much in too short a time and then contradicted themselves. All right, guys, I got to call it one more. Give me a phrase that summarizes how you feel about this anime and then give it a score. Um, this anime is, when you fall in a hole, right, and then slowly and slowly but surely, more and more trash is piling on top of you, 
And sometimes, like I was discussing with other friend before, you see peaks of light and you reach for it, but then inevitably more trash covers those peaks of light and you're just stuck down there with what you saw. <laughs> okay. And I give it 3.5 Damn. Uh, red strings out of five. Fuck, that's, uh, that's, that's generous. M- my phrase would be wasted potential. Um, I think this whole anime had, a, I think it had a good concept and the whole concept was just intended to be a roundabout way to arrive at love triangle drama, which is ultimately garbage. So I'm going to give it two wasted opportunities out of five or two, two group, two people busting a mad slop out of five. <laughs> a mad slop. Yeah. Like when the saliva <laughs> string is like 12 inches long, which never happens in life. Oh man. You might get the three gotta, inches. I don't know about 12. You got to yeah. teach me more catchphrases like that, man. It's, it's, for, it's from the boondocks. Gotcha. Brains. Okay. So my phrase would be, this is a trash bag. That is thoroughly mixed together and filled with wrapped delicious Kit Kat candy bars from Japan, right? But there's also a bunch of raw meat that's been sitting in there a couple of days. Mm. Like, but this anime has great moments in it. And and so I, I, I think that if I look at the anime and I say to myself, if I had to compare this anime to let's say 60% of the 60, 70% of the rest of the shows that came out this year. I, I, I can't see it um, real low because it had great moments. It's execution was off, but that doesn't necessarily make the whole thing bad. Um, I think that that it's problematic, but so I'm going to rate this a 3.5 out of five. And I'll go with second bases. So, that, so <laughs> the average is a three. So we'll give it a, we'll give it a three out of five. I'm okay with three out of five. I'm moving us on because I gotta I gotta get us moving on for the uh, for the sake of time. Gotcha. It's time for iTunes review. This iTunes review is brought to you by TKE Lee, who writes as an order is an old timer who still loves anime. I'm glad to find a podcast that is still relevant. To me, the classics are great, but sometimes I want to watch something new that isn't crap. And listening to your shows helps me avoid most of the crap. Keep up the keep up the up the outstanding work, and may you always stay addicted. Now, if you now if only you guys had a podcast for manga. Well, hmm. sorry, no podcast for manga. <laughs> I mean. No podcast for you. All right. No podcast. No podcast for you. One Back year. Back of the line. One year. It's time for an almighty anime mailbag. Anime. 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 Mailbag. Bag, 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 bag. I did the dance. I did it. That, that's good. Uh, Kazuo, uh, Kimiko, and Shaki are proud of you. I did it. It'll be shown I did it. But, but, but you disgust me. The, if you want to submit a mailbag, you can do it on our website, aaapodcast.com. At the top, there's a, there's a section that says mailbag. You click it, you write a mailbag, and we'll answer it for you. First mailbag is from Icy Rose, who we all know, who writes very thoughtful mailbags. So quite a few times in the podcast, Mitsugi has mistakenly called Sin Nanatsu no Taizai, um, English title, Seven Dead Mortal Sins, an etchy comedy based on a series of cast-off anime figures as being the same as Nanatsu no Taizai, English title, Seven Deadly Sins. Well, the, the freaking sound the same. A popular shonen manga that is, in, that is of no relation. 
Based on the name alone, it's very easy to make this mistake, but what other shows have you guys, have you at first at a glance seen a title and to confuse it for another different franchise? Um, the first time I saw Hoshigi no Engen, I think is what it is, I thought that that was like a sequel or a spinoff of Fist of the North Star. <laughs> That's like a real thing. I, uh, I actually have the same answer as you, the first one. Mets, uh, Mononoke versus Prince Mononoke. Oh, yeah. Every it's, time. It's, it's crazy. Every time. It's crazy confusing. Um, for me, Onegai Twins and Onegai Teacher, I mix those up yeah. a lot because they sound the same. And for some real reason, how? how? Onegai Teacher is so much better than Onegai Twins. Oh, it's just because yeah, the, it's just cause the, the title. Alone, the title. Alone, yeah. The titles only. <laughs> I also, um, I, somehow I confuse Futatsu no Spika with Future Boy Conan. I have no idea how that happens, but it does. I don't know. Cause, it's because I'm old. I'm always gonna be the, I'm always gonna be the oldest here. Sucks. Who wants to read the next mailbag? I got it. Um, so this one comes from Asher Black. Hey guys, I will start off saying that you are all awesome, and listening to you makes my workday easier. This is more of a rant than than this is more of a rant thing than a question. I just finished listening to an episode where another listener said that he gets shit over being an anime fan. I'm 28, and pretty much all my friends and family give me shit over it, and it drives me nuts. I don't understand why they feel the need to mock me, and it's hard to find anime fans down here in Texas where I live in Redneckville. Sorry for the rant, and I love you guys. So my so my answer to these kind of sentiments that I get is that it's 2018 and as much as, um, you know, you want to have people in real life that can help, like, you know, share your passions with you. I really think that in the Internet is a wonderful place when it comes to finding communities that make you feel at home. Asher Black, I really invite you. Not to plug the Discord, to come to the Discord and hang out with us on chat. We watch things together all the time. It's a good idea. There's no need to feel by yourself anymore when you got us like that on Discord. And also, just, you know what? Like, f- fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck the people that yeah. tell you it's not cool. I've been watching anime my whole life. I've never been ashamed of it. And I'm pretty okay with where my social standing is in IRL. So, fuck them. Tell them to fuck off. They don't have any. They don't well, have the open mind to enjoy some new art. I I agree. I actually wrote "fuck them" on the document actually, and I put it in bold. <laughs> you oh, you did in bold. <laughs> I didn't in even bold. see that. I said <laughs> I just, that's how I just feel, man. Fuck them. I said moreover, fuck them if they want to criticize you for something that doesn't matter. Ignore. So, um, my my sentiment's gonna be. I, I've got a couple things. One, I agree with Enzo wholeheartedly. Hop on the Discord, like I. I myself spend a lot of time in AA Discord just chilling in the voice chat, talking to people about anime and just random things. Like, it, it, it's it's very fun and, and interesting to get involved w- with the community here because so many people are accepting. Like, we may joke with you like, oh, yeah, you like that show? Huh, it's such a shitball show. But oh, at the end of like- the day... You like euphonium, Bcom? Yeah, that's trash. <laughs> uh, he became euphonium. That shit sucks. Jesus. <laughs> Nobody should watch he became euphonium ever. And actually, I've been hearing I've been hearing bad things about Violet Evergarden too. And I've been hearing. Right, but I just say, just hop on there. There's so many people on there that you'll you'll find some like more acceptance. Second off, I agree with Enzo and Mitsugi. Fuck them, but. Do I, I, I invite you to do what I do. I, I invite you to really just sit there, think about the thing you love in the fandom and how great it is and some of the great stories you see. You know, Grave of the Fireflies, we're talking Monster, we're talking 
Um, so many shows, even controversial shows like Scum's Wish, do good jobs at different things. Think about how amazing that is. And then just when they make fun of you, just laugh at them. Fuck them. Like, that's the number one thing I learned. Like, Fuck when them. I was, like, just outwardly laugh at them. Like, to their face. Just be like, huh, okay, bro. And just go on with your day. Because basically what I, I got to a point where I was I was kind of bullied the same way in here in Iowa. I would actually laugh at them. And I'd be like, okay, that's cool. You don't know what you're missing. And then just be done with them. Like, and if, when it comes to your to your family and friends, mm. maybe find out what some of their favorite movies are and invite them to watch something like Grave of the Firefly, something like Akira, which is which are just visually stunning movies. Man, I don't know. Yeah. There, listen, there are people that are really close minded out there. I had a friend in college who oh, yeah. who hated anime for no reason at all. And he had never even seen an anime before. And I showed him Princess Mononoke and he watched the whole thing. At the end of it, he was like, I fucking hated that movie. And I was like. Yeah, you're full of shit, is what I said. And it's like, some people just can't be convinced because they're too close-minded. Also, I need to remember that you guys cannot hear my laptop because I had a song called The Fuck You Song, and I was going to play that, but no, I'm just going to edit that out. I I, it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I, I edited it out. It's gone. Smooth. All right. Um, yeah, fuck them. I need to drop it. just says fuck them. Um, Keegan, Eth- uh, Keegan Ellers writes, I was listening to your most recent podcast, and you went over your mailbag and said all... Th- your usual stuff, and if us listeners had anything to send in to you, so it got me thinking about something I could ask you all. My question for you is, is there a type of anime that tries to find and uncover Bigfoot or other types of cryptozoological creatures? If you do not think this would be a good type of anime, if it did, if, if not, do you think it would be a good anime if it did come out? I couldn't find anything about Bigfoot, but... But Mushishi and Mononoke are about like spirits and mythological creatures that that are in Japanese lore. But I mean, there's there's quite a few anime that that go after like mythical creatures, which I I mean that that that's kind of what cryptozoological creatures are. Cryptozoological creatures are just really more modern things. But I mean, um, I'm trying to think like what what would be. Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to think. Yeah, of I can't think of head. one, man. There aren't that Shoot. many. I agree. Um, I researched like Mononoke it. is a great one. Um, Nemesine, daughter, Rin, daughters of Nemesine would be, um, something that's kind of interesting. Oh, I guess that's more about angels and demons and stuff. But, um, don't know, man. Yeah, uh, well, Akashi. The second part of that bit. question, though. Um, I can't think of one, but I do think there is a premise in there. Maybe you could frame it in terms of like it could be a revenge story where X monster kills X specialed one, lifelong hatred, revenge, or X monster holds the blood that I need for a special cure for my loved one in search of the cure. So yeah, there's tons of premise there that you could frame a story around. So yeah, how about Keegan, how about you write one? And then you tweet it at me, and we can work on it or something. I got I an it. Oh, I, I just thought of another one. Um, Nurion, uh, no Mago. Uh, that the the one about the the that what is that thousand demon parade? Don't know that one. Um, it's it's actually basically this kid has to sold the Nurion inside of him, and he's from like a family lineage that's been the Nurion, and it deals with all the different demon clans and and basically spirits in general. Um. I have uh, a pl- but it's it's kind of interesting. I have a plot synopsis for an anime. 
How about we come up with an anime where four little cute Moe girls go out on an excavation to find Bigfoot? And they find Bigfoot, and he rips them apart into little pieces and eats them. How about that? Save me the, save, uh, save me the trouble of kicking them into the anime pit of hell. What do you think? <laughs> I think he do should, I have to agree to make you happy today? I think that that Bigfoot should eat those little kids devil man style, where they show like the arm and the eyeballs <laughs> falling out of his mouth and shit, you know, from Amel and the Apocalypse. They should, oh. it should be like that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Oh my god, aim one of the apocalypse. That shit is so violent. Okay, next mailbag, the last one from Patrick. Who wants to read it? I, can, I got it. Um, so Patrick says, Greetings, my favorite thing about anime are the characters. Colorful clothing, exotic designs, and, quick, and quirky personalities that can draw me deep into any fictional world and never let go. Two of my all-time favorite characters are Kuwabara from Yu Yu Hakusho and Shin Kazuma from Area 88. Kazama from Area 88. Which characters from the realm of anime do you guys like the most? Cheers, Patrick Malloy. So I have um, I have a couple. Uh, I think off the top of my head, a character that I truly love is Onizuka from GTO. Um, yeah. He is just a man that has all of his emotions on his sleeve. And Amazing. he's willing to be selfless. Um, and he isn't ashamed of it. You know, he's not ashamed to be soft. He's not ashamed to cry. He's not ashamed to be happy in front of anyone. And I think um, in an age where I was about to get real meta and political real quick, but in an age where um, masculinity is going under is going under the microscope as to what it is and how it can be toxic, I think it's important to remember that a man is more than welcome to cry and express emotion. So I think Onizuka to me is a real man and I look up to that. So, And you I, can do a German suplex. Anchors are German suplex. Yep. <laughs> it's very true. Um, yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd have to say, like, I, I really like Guts from Berserk. Um, because, like, he's not a hero. <laughs> I think that's what I, what I love about him is he's very, very flawed person. And he's not a hero, but he's put in that situation. Um and and he he struggles with a lot of things you can see how damaged he is as a person um and i i think i just like the realistic nature of that and honestly this is going to be kind of a weird one but rushina from um grenadier like that anime kind of saved me after my first deployment like because of the like the things that she said uh, in her philosophy about what it means to kill somebody and everything so um, I think that's the two I've got off the top of my head. I, I picked, um, normally my choices are really predictable and I was going to say Yoko from, from the 12 kingdoms cause she has some of the best character development I've ever seen, but I was like, that's too predictable. So I'm not going to pick her. I'm going to pick the King of N from, from the 12 kingdoms. Cause he's what he's like. So awesome. He like ruled, he's been ruling the kingdom of N for like 600 years and he's like this prosperous, amazing place. But in, but besides from just being a, an incredible ruler, He's like this super suave guy who's who rescues Yoko in the books, and he's like a good. He's a really good fighter, and he's just a really cool, interesting character. And um, I really love Kenshin, but I'm not going to say that because that's also too predictable. So I'll say Sanosuke mm-hmm. from Maroni Kenshin because he's he's a pretty neat guy, and cool dude. He definitely has like yeah, he definitely grows up a lot through the course of of Maroni Kenshin. You know, he get he he goes from like being this like criminal guy who just gets his ass whooped by yeah. Kenshin to like totally ditching that persona and like doing the futai no kiwami on that monk dude and just being a total badass at the end and 
Yeah. You know, and and Sanosuke is with Kenshin all the way until his last minutes. You know, I think it's I think it's Sanosuke who's like literally holding Kenshin while he dies. Um, uh, Kaoru. is it Kaoru? Well, he's there at the yeah, he's there in the last Sanosuke moments. Sanosuke goes and retrieves him from China, I believe. Oh, is it? He was well, dying. Well, he's a he he he's a big time bro. Either way, I'll say that yeah. he's a good character. So totally, I got one more really quick. Okay, um, it's Koyuki from Beck. Um, uh, because I was Koyuki, I watched back when I was 14, I think. Um, I was depressed, he was depressed, and we both found Oroi out through music, and I can't forget about that. So, that's that. Cool beans, guys. <clears throat> well, congratulations, Enzo. You made it to the end of your first podcast. So, that was nice. I really, really love this, man. Thank you. There we go. The little children approve. So, so welcome, welcome. It's good to have you. I think that this is your first time, but you did really well. You're sort of a natural at this, perhaps. Um, I've done podcasts with people that do it there for the first time, and they're like stiff as a board, like terrified to say anything. Uh, they, they sound like they're they sound awkward and nervous, but I didn't get that from you at all. So, it's um, well, that seems not really to bring good. it up again, but uh, we we've, we know each other, Mitz. I know we spent multiple <laughs> hours naked together. Oh, God. <laughs> multiple hours like the sweatiness oh i mean just the sweat alone oh, was, the is, steam coming off our bodies man. yeah i mean off the buttocks oh jeez. <laughs> so unbelievable so um brains also thank you for joining why don't you go ahead and plug your podcast again since since you since you were so generous to take the time and join us tonight it's um always great to have you so you're obviously a, an experienced podcaster so that goes without saying but go ahead and plug yourself so, again, I'm Brains, the producer of the Trash Pandas Watch anime podcast. If you kind of like some of the thoughts um, I expressed tonight, uh, give our show a listen. Uh, some of the earlier shows I, I would probably recommend where they're shorter. Um, but if you like kind of the what we got going on, go ahead and check it out. But you can find it all at tpwapodcast.com. I think you guys, uh, if, you, if you check out the show, you'll be feeling a little more at home because... Uh, we have a very similar format to AA, and that's uh, thanks to Mitsugi letting me um, borrow ideas uh, from the show. So, cool. Is this is this the part where I plug my Twitter and stuff? Is yeah, this what happens? Go now? ahead, plug your Twitter. <laughs> okay, um, okay. Yeah. So again, thanks for listening, guys. It's it's a pleasure to be here to have this opportunity. I really look forward to being friends with all of you. Um, my Twitter is at Enzo Badia, E N Z O B A D I A. That's my full name. Please follow me. Well, on now you're gonna get Instagram, stalked. Twitter, anywhere. Um, please talk to me. I'll you're talk gonna to get you. stalkers now. Good, good job. You get stalkers. It's wonderful. <laughs> All right, guys. So let me see. Can I find the out? Kazuo could not find any of the drops. I just want to say he could not find any of the drops last week because he was alone. And he's like, Mitsuki has no. No discernible way to arrange his drops on his soundboard. So I'm going to arrange them all for him alphabetically, which he did not do. And the funny thing is that they're literally arranged in the exact order that they that they are used on the outline. You just go one at a time. But, you know, whatever. He did it. They did a good job. God bless them for yeah. coming in and doing that while I was out. But, yeah. All right. We, we did miss Kazuo and Kimiko today. Thoughts are with my thoughts are with you guys, even though nothing particularly bad happened to you. Um, Again, our website's aaapodcast.com, so go check it out. And uh, we'll see you guys next week on the podcast. We'll probably start impressions next week, so we'll see you then. Peace. Hentai episode. Hentai episode coming up. Yeah.